welcome to today's episode, Choosing the Numbers, Your Statistics and Sports Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I am Eric Cosmer. Come forward, Heller. Yeah, that's right. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. This is going to be. I will. You too, by the end of this episode, will be tired of hearing Corwin say Eric Cosmer's name. So. It's okay. I watch enough Padres to be tired of hearing Eric Cosmer's name in the first place. Then stop reflecting that ill onto us. So. No, you got to suffer with me. I do every day, buddy. <laughs> Set myself up for that. <laughs> oh, man. We have Stacey Gatsoulias on the podcast today. She uh, will talk a lot of Yankees with us. You'll listen live as Joey Gallo's uh-huh. trade um, happens as we sit here. Something that we planned on talking about hypotheticals and then didn't have to because it actually happened. So that conversation and much more with Stacey Gotsoulias is coming at you right now. I do it all the time. Uh, all right, so we are here. We're joined today by uh, Stacy Gatsoulias of the IBWAA podcast, the Locked On Yankees podcast. She'll be joining us today to talk about uh, Yankees current events, Yankees trade deadline moves, Yankees biz, uh, as well as some general MLB stuff. Uh, Stacy, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you. <laughs> Corwin is also here. Yeah, thank you. Corwin's presence is also noted. Thank Uh, you. Stacey can also be found on Twitter at Stace Gots if you want to give her a follow. uh, If you want to give them a follow at any point uh, after the show, one of my favorite Twitter follows. She has a new laptop and it's wonderful. (laughs) So anyway, let's get, I guess let's start with the Yankees moves that have been made most recently. Um, So Corbin and I avoided talking about the Clay Holmes trade until uh, today because we knew we'd have you on. So the essence of this one is Hoy Jun Park, Rob Brantley, who I actually didn't realize was involved in the trade until I looked up the details for, for this, uh, and Diego Castilla all headed to Pittsburgh in exchange for uh, Clay Holmes, pitcher Clay Holmes. Uh, in what I, I would assume is a 40 man roster situation. Uh, how did, how did you react to, to this one, Stacy? I was wondering about it. I just was like, Hmm, that's an interesting move. Um, I kind of found it amusing though, when I saw Twitter, because you would have thought they traded away Babe Ruth with the way people were reacting to park being in the package. I thought that was hilarious. Um, <laughs> personally, I thought that was really funny. I believe they got him because he, you know, some of his numbers don't look great, but he does tend to neutralize lefties, which the bullpen has been having a problem doing. So uh, not lefties, righties. And um, so that move by itself, I kind of understood it. I didn't even, you know, you just let me know that Brantley was in there. I didn't even realize he was in there. I thought it was yeah, just neither did Castillo I. And, yeah, Castillo and uh, Park. Um, and then they made the second move last night to trade Sessa and Wilson to the Reds and people are talking about that being a salary dump. And I'm thinking (laughs) you're the Yankees. Why are you, why are you doing this? Like I, I, I've been a Yankee fan my entire life. I'll be 47 next month. It drives me crazy that Hal Steinbrenner acts like he has no money to do anything. And that 
the luxury tax. I feel like he has a neon sign in his office that says, you know, luxury tax, luxury tax. And it kind of stops him from doing what he needs to do as the owner of the Yankees. And I say this about every owner in baseball, the pirates should be spending money. I don't want to hear about the small market stuff. You're a billionaire, go out and spend money. I'm sick of all these teams who were trying to work around spending money on players and saying, oh yeah, no, we have a plan. You know, we'll be okay in five years. No, 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 you do that stuff now. (laughs) If you can do it now and you have the money to do it now, do it now. I just, I don't understand. I understand the Holmes move, but I don't understand the Sessa Wilson move at all. Unless Cashman's setting up for something else, you know, the next couple of days before the trade deadline. But I feel like the Yankees need way more than what they're doing if they want to do anything and even make a dent in the wild card standings. I just don't understand it. I just want to say, I was told this was going to be a safe space and then immediately you bring up the pirates refusing to spend money on anything. So I'm, I'm out. I'm gone. Just leaving. I mean, you're wearing a pirate jersey backwards. Uh, I mean, what? There's no class here. Anyway. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I don't really give a shit about the first trade because if you're going to be acquiring pieces and I think there's another thing that Uh, It feels as though it's also also especially Yankees fans, especially because of the pieces that have happened, um, the player performances of the past few years, don't understand is that the best time to trade Hoi-Jean Park, if you're not going to bring him up, which clearly was not part of the Yankees' plans for whatever reason, the season where he's performing out of his fucking head, that's the year you trade him. Of course. Like, if you're not going to bring him up, trade him when he has a good value. And again, this feels like such a Yankees fan thing because it's like, I say this as a diehard Yankees fan, right? Um, because it's like Clint Frazier's performing horribly. Trade him. What value will he have? Absolutely none. Right. Miguel and Duhar's performing poorly. Trade him. What value will he have? Absolutely none. <laughs> and it's in that respect. I can also partially understand if the Luis Sessa trade was more centered around getting high return for a guy having a great year, kind of like what the Mariners just did with Kendall Graveman. Mm -hmm. I would understand it a lot more, but it is a salary dump in the stupidest way. Right. And while I can understand, okay. So the way I think about the luxury tax is this, there's only two reasons a team theoretically wouldn't go over it. And it's one that they're insanely cheap which all the teams are. Yeah. And two or two, you are morally opposed to giving money to other teams via the competitive balance tax and funding their ability to outperform you. Some type of like, I don't have it in me to give money to the pirates for nothing. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not going to. And in my mind, both of those are horrible reasons. <laughs> Both of those are horrible reasons because the thing that seems to be lost in either way that the ownership of all teams, um, their thought process therein is that in exchange for going over the luxury tax and facing consequences, you get really cool players that make your team a lot better. <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, like, it's is, just, is, it's- it's so just sorry, funny ahead. that it's just funny that Sessa, you know, he's having basically a career year for him 
you know, he's one of the actual reliable guys coming out of the bullpen lately for the, or he was one of the more reliable guys coming out of the bullpen lately for the Yankees. And they were just like, bye. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't I, even for anything that was, uh, like you said, I, I just don't get it. <laughs> I don't get that trade at all. And, you know, if there ends up being a series of moves that come in the next couple of days. So we're recording this at seven 30 at night on uh, July 28th. So there's a day and a half, basically a little under two days left of the trade deadline. And as of right now, the Yankees haven't done anything else. These are the only two trades that they've made, which is also confounding. Um, so if there ends up being like a flurry of things that they do within the next 48 ish hours, and it makes sense, then all right, cool. It, makes sense but out of any type of context this is shitty Mm. and even if the yankees go off and get another reliever again you shouldn't have to move just eat just eat justin wilson's salary Mm -hmm. dfa him why have to make being good more complicated than it already is right Yeah, I feel like, I don't know, I I feel like uh, Brian Cashman has overstayed his welcome by about mm, a decade, right? Because we're in 2021 at this point. I love what he did for the Yankees. You know, he's, he's done some really cool things, but I feel like Hal kind of keeps, holds him back from doing certain things and he allows Hal to hold him back from doing certain things. And I feel like he, I feel like it was almost like he stood up to George more than he stands up to Hal, which is ridiculous when you think about it, because compared to Hal, George was insane. And I always joke that the Yankees would have been better off if there was a third Steinbrenner son who was a hybrid of crazy Hank and laid back Hal. (laughs) And if they could have an owner that was somewhere in the middle where they had the business mind, but also had that bit of adventure to their choices of either trading people or signing people that would be the perfect amalgamation of an owner and they don't have that right now and Hal, no matter how many times he says we're all about winning he's not shown me that he's all about winning because there are certain things that he does that you know what i mean and i see Mm -hmm. you rolling your eyes (laughs) but it's true because he's always talking about oh you know we want to win we want to go all the way where are we seeing this in the moves that you allow cashman to make and in the budget that you give him. And I mean, you know, Garrett Cole, that was the kind of move that Yankee fans have been wanting for years. But then there are all these other moves that they make. And you think to yourself, well, you can't just do that and then not do anything else. Like, what do you think is going to happen? Stacking up an all righty lineup. Good job. Think of teams that won in the past. They didn't just have all righties in the lineup. They had a mix of lefties and righties and power hitters and slap hitters. And it's just... They're too one-dimensional right now, and they're not going to go anywhere if they don't make big changes. I'll be honest. I'm not nearly as locked in on the Yankees as you guys are. Is that a reference to the, to the was, other podcast? Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. locked on, yes. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm genuinely surprised that you've hated or disliked at least you know Brian Cashman for so long when I feel like most of what I've heard about him is generally positive and people well, or at least josh no i wouldn't um, say i has, hated him for that long just i feel like all right let's change things a little bit <laughs> like that kind do you of think stuff. it's more of a, a change of scenery change of scenery uh, rather than him being a poor gm or or just not doing what the yankees need to do anymore 
I feel like it's the combination of him and Hal. Something's happening there. Um, I don't know if, yeah, I really, I, I don't know what's going on there. I can't tell if he's being, what's the term, hamstrung by Hal, or if maybe his philosophy of how he makes trades and how he acquires players doesn't fit with, or even the philosophy of the team doesn't fit with the modern era of baseball. Like I know they're trying to do analytics and that's, I mean, I don't mind analytics at all. I know uh, there are a lot of people who poo poo them and I just, whatever. Um, But I feel like they're not doing things the way they should. Like they try to model themselves after the Rays and they try to model themselves after the Red Sox, but they're failing miserably. And I don't know if that's something that needs to change with a new GM. Maybe they need to go out and get someone who was already a GM for the Red Sox and, you know, took them to the championship or, you know, maybe they can steal Theo Epstein away from uh, MLB or something and get him as a, uh, to work for the Yankees. Like who knows, but I just, I don't know, something's going on there and I can't figure out what it is. Baseball Twitter would implode if Theo Epstein went to the Yankees. Please, yeah, I know that's there why I kind of want mass strikes across the country. I know that's I would why join I want them. It. I would think that's just wildly unfair. Let some of us like try to earn twenty six championships before you guys go for twenty eight. I mean, come on. I, in my view, is that the Yankees are the exact outcome that. MLB wanted when they instituted the luxury tax. Mm. And that is ownership having a ironclad, I'll put that in air quotes, reason to not spend money. Because if Hank says other teams can do it, or not Hank, which is Hal. this time, Hal, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, if, if Hal says we, we, other teams can do it without going over the luxury tax, we can do it too. True. Is it a good reason to not go over the luxury tax? No, but it's true. Um, and then if Brian Cashman can't spend money because ownership says he can't because they don't want to go over the luxury tax threshold, then Brian Cashman doesn't own the Yankees, so he can't go over. Right. And as a result of that, Brian Cashman then has to rely more on his drafting, which he's just hasn't been good at. Name Yankees prospects that have actually developed well outside of the past maybe four seasons, and that's being a little bit generous. It hasn't been a lot. You know, that's one of the ways that the Dodgers have been able to do well and the Red Sox have been able to do well and the Rays have been able to do well. Uh, The first two teams being able to spend money uh, or do it like they are supposed to, but they also actually perform and on the talent that they acquire in the draft, whereas the Yankees have hit more recently. But even then, it's still been sparse, especially in the pitching department. Um, most notably, and so much of the gaps that Brian Cashman would be able to fill in his, again, usually quite bad drafting would get filled in free agency. But if he's not allowed to spend money because ownership's going to defer to this rule that ownership helped make up, <laughs> then then what are then there's nothing to do? So well, it's also not well. Okay, we should also say that it's not that the Yankees don't spend money. It's that they spend it the wrong way and they get to a point where they can't spend any more because they spent too much on the wrong people. Does that oh, make yeah. sense? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> like, you know, Aaron Hicks or um, 
Jacoby Ellsbury. Hello. Um, yeah, the Ellsbury one's bad. Yeah. So bad. And we all knew it was bad. Twenty. We oh, God, all knew it was bad. bad. If you go back to Twitter, if you somehow go into the archives of Twitter and see when that signing happened, no one was happy about it. And everyone envisioned it being a disaster. Did we think it was going to be the disaster it actually turned into? No, it turned into a disaster, probably 10 times worse than any of us ever imagined. And the fact that two of the top five uh, paid players on the Yankees are relievers, which uh, <laughs> is tough to stomach. Mm-hmm. Who's the second out of, you know, no, Britain. Ottavino's on oh, the Red Ottavino's Sox now, but we did retain Sox, yeah. like one point something million of oh, that his was salary. A, that was another salary dump. That was another ridiculous mm-hmm. dumping salary thing that they did in the offseason. And mm-hmm. I remember ranting about that on my show. <laughs> I was like, what are you guys doing? You're dumping salary so you can re-sign Brett Gardner for a year? Like, what's the matter with you? <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> Well, you know, Brett Gardner is one of the few Yankees that Brian Cashman drafted that actually made the show. You can't just let that guy go. Sentimental value. That's true. He's Brett Gardner has like $9 million of sentimental value. He's been around since the old stadium. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. Oh, now that's, that's just, just a knife to the heart. <laughs> <laughs> I was at uh, a game on July 6th. 2008 at the old places Yankees Red Sox is a Sunday night game. Brett Gardner walked off on a dinky single against Jonathan Papelbon. That was the first game I saw him play live. What's the what's the most recent game you've you've gone to? Uh, The game where they collapsed against the Angels when Aroldis Chapman Mm -hmm. gave up the Grand Slam is my first time at Yankee Stadium in nearly two years. I'm all happy there. They, you know, kick Otani's ass in the first inning. I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is so great. This is going to be the best thing ever. And then Chapman, I can curse, right? Chapman shits shits the bed. And what's funny is when the bases were loaded, I looked at my brother and I go, he's given up a grand slam. And he goes, no, he's not. Literally two seconds later. And I just sat there like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, did that really happen? Did I just predict that happening? I wanted to kill someone. It was so hot. It was, first of all, it was hot as hell that day. I think it was like mm-hmm. 93 at start time. The rain delays that happened that night. We didn't get home until 2.15 in the morning and we sat through that whole game. I wanted to kill someone. <laughs> or Aldo Chapman. That's, that's, yeah. that's the murder target. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think my last game was when we went to Yankee Stadium and we saw the Mike Ford walk-off. Oh my God, against the A's? I think? Yeah. That was the last game I went to before the Angels game. Hey, look at that. We oh, shared hey. a space for a few Full minutes. World. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Messina day. That's why I went, because I love him. So I had love to beat Mike that Messina. game. I fucking hate Mike Messina. <laughs> My dad grew up with him, and apparently he's like the biggest asshole in their hometown. I could, I could see that. I could, that's kind of why I love him because uh, some of his post game answers were so obnoxious. But then again, you know, sometimes Susan Waldman or Kim Jones would ask stupid questions, and you ask a stupid question, you get a stupid answer. So, <laughs> I'll be honest. If it wasn't for like those stories, I would love him just for him yelling at Joe Torre and telling him to sit the fuck down. Let him keep pitching. I was watching that game live in my apartment. I laughed my ass off. I thought that was the funniest thing. And Ron Guidry's reaction to it, they really need to, because I know there's a gif of Moose yelling at Tori and Tori kind of, you know, waving his hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you see Ron Guidry does that thing where you try to stop yourself from laughing and your face blows up like a puffer fish. That's what he looked like. And I always have that 
in my head when I think of that moment because that was just the best. It really was. I love that. Love Gator. She's like such a cool dude. Gator. <laughs> Anybody whose nickname is Gator. Louisiana <laughs> Lightning, man. Oh, I used to love that sign that they used to hold out in the right field at the old stadium in the 80s. That person made that really cool Louisiana. It was Louisiana with a lightning strike in the middle of it. And it was like dark. And then the the outline of Louisiana and the lightning were the same color. And I don't know who this dude was, but he was at a lot of games. And I just thought that was the coolest thing when I was a kid. Well, I mean, he was just such a cool personality. Mm-hmm. I went to, I went to old timers day in uh, 2018 or 2019, like just to see him. And it was super fun. Yeah. Before COVID hit, I had a 22 year old timers day streak. Oh, yeah. Damn you COVID. Yeah. I mean, I don't consider the streak broken because they haven't had uh, old timers day. These last uh, two seasons, you know what I they mean? Don't wanna, so, they don't want to risk all the old timers being in the same place at the same time. But let me tell you, it's just so odd being there now and seeing guys like, you know, uh, Johnny Damon and Jason Giambi at old timers day when I used to go to games and they were the ones helping the old timers get ready for old timers day or even before that in the 90s. All yeah. the guys who have died off since then. It's just, I mean, you know, Bob. Bobby Brown. Nick Swisher was at mine. <laughs> I know. And I went, Nick Swisher was at And I was like, what the fuck are you doing here? I know. It's like, what? Why is Nick Swisher here? Dude, your hair is still spiked like you were in NSYNC. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. It's just such a difference because I went to my first Old Timers Day in 98, 99. And, uh, you know, thinking about all the players that I used to see, because there were more players from the 40s and 50s still alive back then. And now they're all gone. Dr. Bobby Brown was the last one, really, because he was the last survivor of the 47 winning team. So um, it's just Second depressing. Best doc in baseball. Yeah, it's just depressing. Doc Ellis is not the best doc in baseball. Enough of you. <laughs> no one wants to hear it from you. Wow. That no one, angry. No, no one needs you in this moment. Stop it <laughs> with your Doc Ellis talk. It was one game of greatness. <laughs> Turn your video back on, you punk. <laughs> oh, man. So, all right. So, looping this back into the trade deadline, whether yeah. or not anything actually happens in the next, uh, by the time people listen to this, day or so, uh, to be seen, what would a successful trade deadline look like for Stacey Gatsoulias? Hmm. Oh boy, they need a left-handed bat. They really do. Oh God, one? Oh, they need so many. Well, they need more, but I mean, you know, I'm not going to ask for too much because I'm not, I'm not, you know, you can't expect too much, but if they can get at least one left-handed bat, I would be happy with that. In your mind, who is that? Who is that guy? Hmm. Are you, are you all aboard the Gallo hype train or? I wouldn't mind getting him, but he disappointed me in the home run derby and I'm kind of mad at him for it. I was really disappointed with how he performed because I was hoping he would do better than that. I, I know, mean, he, it was you know, very he, bad. He kind of picked it up at the end, but it was too late to pick it up. You know, he kind of, he just didn't look right. But I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing him hit home runs in Yankee Stadium and he could hit a ton of them into the short porch. So that could be kind of cool. Eric Hosmer's a left-handed bat that's available. Get out of here. We're not eating no. that contract. Sell him to the Rockies. Yeah, no, he, nope, 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 nope. And God, I'm so afraid that, that they're going to do something stupid like that. But no, 
Oh, they, they can't, especially because Hosmer's a ground ball machine, and that's exactly what the Yankees do not need. <laughs> right, because they have too many ground ball machines. How many double plays can this team hit into? It's unbelievable. I always tell people on Twitter, and I'm sure you've seen it, to do not do a double play drinking game during a Yankee game because you will be dead. Very quickly. <laughs> Eric Hosmer will only help quicken your death. <laughs> Which also can be said, said of the Padres season, so there you go. Just to, just to you know, give me a little something. Of the top four Padres prospects of Mackenzie Gore, C.J. Abrams, uh, Rob Hassel, and uh, Camposano, how many of them would the Padres have to include with Hosmer to make that trade for Aaron Judge? I I don't think there's a number. I don't I don't think it, like if it was all four of them, I think the Yankees would be making a mistake by doing that. The Yankees should be vying to win now and uh, taking in prospects, even if it's four, even if all four of them were going to like make the show in a year or something wildly unreasonably uh, um, unreasonable for you to predict it. Like they, they don't need four guys who could make the show within a year. They need a, they need a guy who's a superstar that could actually help them win games today because they're not winning enough games today. I think that's a little short-sighted. I think the Yankees of 2021 are not the Yankees that you guys grew up watching and rooting for. I think you kind of at some point need to accept like, all right, we don't need to win, go to the playoffs and be a World Series contender every year. Clearly, this year is not your year. If you could get some serious top 10 level prospects, which three of those four guys absolutely can be and two of them already are, I think a guy like judge is now expendable uh i think you'd be more likely to end up like the seattle mariners than you would like the dodgers if you have that mentality of constantly getting rid of controllable talent you're the kind of guy that would trade fernando tatis for james shields all right now get out of here with that because no (laughs) yeah yeah, uh, well, you, you just mentioned the Mariners. I mean, I think DePoto wouldn't be able to breathe if he didn't trade someone every five Well, years. he'd literally, I believe, what was it, two years ago, last year, that he was in the hospital still making trades because he literally <laughs> couldn't breathe? <laughs> yeah, that was the uh, Austin Nola trade with the Padres. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, like, that was, that was also not long ago. Jared DePoto, I think trading saved his life. But yeah, him and AJ Preller are just cokeheads when it comes to trading. I love it. It's amazing. It but is amazing. That is so to 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 use Corwin's nonsense question as a lead into a better question. <laughs> um, because the Yankees, I think, so much of their problem this season is underperforming rather than necessarily having the wrong staff. Obviously, there are large concerns with the fact that they don't have good left-handed hitting first base has been a problem this year. They're like, there are some roster concerns there, but largely it's been the fact that DJ LeMahieu was not great this season. Clayper Torres has very much so not been himself of 2018, 2019 this season. Um, or last season. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, that like that's things along those lines have been more so what's contributed to the Yankees struggling a lot this season. Do you think that there is large overhaul that needs to happen for next year or more tweaks and patches 
and seeing if guys return to form. I think tweaks and patches. It just feels like a very strange year. I don't know if someone put a curse on them or what, because it just feels odd to me that so many guys are struggling at the same time. Because usually when you're watching baseball, you know, there'll be someone on fire. Some people are kind of like, eh, not on fire. But it felt like they were all not hitting at the same time, especially when the season first started and they started off really rough. Um, you know, DJ LeMahieu, let's talk about DJ LeMahieu for a second because you brought him up. No one expected him to do what he did in 2019 and 2020. They, he didn't even start opening day in 2019. They brought him over to be like a utility guy. And mm-hmm. then he suddenly started hitting the ball and everyone's like, whoa, because who expected someone to come out of Coors Field and hit more home runs than he had in the previous two years at Coors Field? He hit, what did he hit, 26? And he combined for 23 the previous two seasons? Don't that is exactly that. right. <laughs> so he, I know, for some reason, those numbers are in my head. Um, so he's back down to his normal level of performance. And I know he's hitting a lot. Of, they're all hitting a lot of ground balls, which is driving everyone insane. Um, I will say Gleyber Torres is starting to lift the ball a little more. But someone had pointed out to me in a different podcast that his ground ball numbers and fly ball numbers almost completely reversed since 2018 and 2019 and now and it was evident at the beginning of the season he's starting to hit the ball in the air a little more now and I feel like his swings aren't as off balance as they were in the beginning of the season because there were some points there where Gleyber Torres was swinging out of his shoes which was a combination of him overthinking things because he knows that he was performing performing badly and feeling the pressure and it also felt like his mechanics were way off and I feel like it doesn't need a total overhaul because a lot of these guys are underperforming, but something needs to happen. I just don't know exactly what. Would you have given DJ LeMayhew this second contract? Mm. Oh yeah. See, I don't know. That was like, I wanted him to come back. (laughs) because of the way he performed in 2019 and 2020. And I thought, oh, I said, and and I even thought in my head, even if he doesn't do as well as he does in 2019, as he did in 2019 and 2020, even if he does like maybe 75% of that, it would still be, he would still be a good enough player to have. But now we're seeing DJ LeMayhew as DJ LeMayhew and Yankee fans just can't handle it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's why I did not want him back. That was one of my big points for, I'm not sure if you remember this. We had several conversations where if the money was right, I'd take him back, but I didn't want to give him, because there was a big, you know, Yankees fans doing the Yankees fan thing, blank check. Right. I didn't want blank check. Right. I I, I, I didn't have much faith in him coming over from Colorado. He proved me wrong mm-hmm. in the first two seasons, but I, I didn't, I am constantly, we, Corinne and I have a lot of these conversations with football Mm -hmm. and you have to do something very consistently for me to ever believe in you. The Cleveland Browns were hyped Mm -hmm. up to be a playoff team for like four years before they ended up actually becoming a playoff team. And even then I'm like, do it again because I don't care. And that is my level of skepticism when it comes to baseball players too, because anyone can have one phenomenal season. And it feels like the same thing they did with Aaron Hicks. And I like Aaron Hicks and I like DJ LeMayhew and neither of their contracts are burdens. Right. They're They're not like an Ellsbury. Right. And they're, they're not even necessarily as bad as Aroldis Chapman's contract. Right. Cause that's Um, another. Yeah. 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 So, but it's, 
if if we are going to operate in a world in which there is a threshold that will never be met for reasons that we obviously hate, but will never be met, then it's those types of contracts that are going to end up killing you. The Stan contracts, I don't give a fuck about because he actually plays well. And even when he doesn't play well, he, he eventually plays so well that the times he doesn't play well, right, it doesn't matter that much. But giving out contracts to guys uh, that are going to be above average for a while, and then it's a lot of question marks, make me concerned. Do you think that LeMayhew's feeling the pressure of the contract? I mean, it's not like it's in a exorbitant amount of money but no one was expecting <laughs> no one no one's no one was expecting him to play the way he did for those two seasons and for him to I guess command that kind of money so you think maybe he's feeling the pressure of it or this is just him regressing back to his former self I, th- I think it's just regression to the mean uh, I, I mean if you look at his his OPS plus by season uh, it's uh, 88 the year before he came to the Yanks, 135 in his first season, 177 in his second season, and then here in his third season, it's back down to 98. Right. Which is still a better OPS than his last two seasons in Colorado, but, I mean, it's it's who he is in reality. Um, you know, Corn and I got into an argument because I didn't even really want him that bad in the first time around. Corn was like, he won a batting title and had a 128 OPS plus. And I was like, yeah, but he like sucks all the other seasons. And again, <laughs> I'll eat shit. I was wrong for the first two years, but because <laughs> I, mean, I don't want I don't want those contracts to be a reason they don't go out and get somebody else. Like, I don't want I don't want that to be a reason that you don't go out and get. Trevor Story or Trey Turner or fucking whoever, you know. Right, I, and that's going to be the reason why, though, because that's the way Hal operates. Although I don't know if I want Trey Turner now that he's sick with COVID, because the Yankees have an, enough COVID issues, and I don't really want that to <laughs> happen. But do you remember who was the starting shortstop opening day of 2019? Opening day of 2019. Mm-hmm. Ronald oh, Torres. So, no, was it still Didi? No, Troy Tulowitzki. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Oh, my God. That's right. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Now that's a name I've not heard in a long time. <laughs> Who hit one home run, hurt his leg, and retired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Story of Troy Tulowitzki. I, I don't blame him, but damn. Yeah. Man, that's sad. But I, I, I think it's also mostly patches. It's, it's tough to get a feel for what our pitching situation is since we intentionally signed – a couple of guys who were flyers, right? You know, Jamison Tyone is performing a lot more admirably as of late. Oh yes. He's picked um, things up. Yes. But he had such a rough start to the season. Yeah. So it yeah. looks bad, but you know, it's what it is. And then Corey Kluber has been hurt all year. So. I mean that no hitter. It was like, wow. And then literally <laughs> right after that. <laughs> gone. Yeah. Just and what? then it's, you know, wins Luis Severino coming back and, and all that stuff. And the bullpen well, another, is kind of a mess now. That's another contract that was. Uh, eh. I mean, it bought out the arbitration years, so I don't think it was too bad, but yeah, not fuck, as bad as, God. Yeah. yeah it's just that he's hurt in, in the, it's tough to plan around those types of things. But I, I think as weird as it's going to sound, the biggest overhaul that needs to happen is our bullpen, which if you'd said that to, 2017 2018 josh i would think that'd be insane because we had uh, i mean our bullpen was ridiculous and now not that it's necessarily 
bad, but it's due for quite the shakeup, I would think. It's just, uh, it's astonishing to me because when the year started, people were talking about the lineup being, people were expecting them to do better, but people were pointing out that the lineup was very righty heavy. They were pointing out that the staff beyond Garrett Cole was iffy, but the bullpen seemed to be the strength because of who they had. Then Britain gets hurt and you're thinking, okay, so, all right, the bullpen might not be as good or they may have to rely on different people to do things. But the bullpen, when you think about the biggest losses of the season, the Yankees would be four games back if it weren't for those few games that they the bullpen blew. And it's so odd to me that it's the bullpen that could possibly kill their playoff chances out of every other aspect of the team it's the bullpen that's going to kill them. And which also is what makes the Luis Sessa trade so head scratching because again, look, dumps, dumping salary is still so stupid, but to use one of the few pieces that has been, you know, a middle inning reliever for you, which is something that you need if Britain is going to be inconsistent and Chapman's going to be inconsistent, then you need guys to fill up the, you know, six, seven, eight innings so that you can use Chad Green in the eighth and ninth, then, you get rid of that guy and what the, what the fuck are we doing? Right. Because it's, you've shown very clearly that your triple a solutions all suck ass for now. Anyway, Nick Nelson's not, not doing anybody any favors up here. So (laughs) what, again, he he is just, Oh my God. Well, (laughs) okay. Wait, let's talk about Brooks Krisky just for a second. What the hell was baseball ass name? (laughs) What the hell was Boone doing? And that's another thing. Aaron Boone, I feel like he's managing as if he knows he's going to be fired at the end of the year. And there's a part of him that does just doesn't care because there are some moments in games where he's just sitting there and you're thinking, uh, why aren't you going out to the mound? Or why aren't you at least putting your hand up to the bullpen to let them know to warm someone up? Like, what are you doing, dude? Why did Glaber Torres have to call a mound meeting while Krisky was shitting the bed? In Fenway Park, I don't, I don't understand. I, I just, I'm confused by what's going on. Yeah, and to me, it feels a lot like the Yankees got exactly what they were asking for in Aaron Boone. They were asking for a guy to communicate statistics and personnel information to relay the decision-making process of the. Um, front office office and to better communicate the nitty gritty details of what they were doing with scouting reports, all that type of stuff. And Aaron Boone seems like, I guess that's what he's there for, but they also picked a guy who came in from a booth doing analysis where it's all post fact. And you don't have to be the guy who sits there and actively makes those decisions. They can pick a guy who had been a manager. And I think it's those types of, gaps that is leading to a lot of the issues because just because a guy can say all right here is you know what the uh active spin rate is on this person's fastball and how it might look coming out of the hand and how you're gonna hit it as a as a hitter that's all well and good but there also has to be the much more immediate side of it that is we need two relievers up right now because this guy is a huge risk. This guy is a huge risk. We have lefties and righties coming up. We need to make sure we have our dexterity set up. We need to make sure that we're ready to make a quick change at the end of the inning to the next guy, because we're only going to put in the first guy of the, of the, of the, uh, you know, double set of relievers to face the one batter at the, like there's none of this. 
there's no urgency with anything. Yep. There's no immediacy with anything. And there's seemingly no real preparedness with anything. Right. It and I get like you don't want to dry hump your late. relievers too much, but like you, sometimes yeah. you gotta. Yeah, it feels like he's always like two steps too late <laughs> doing right. things. It, I, I equated it on my show. I joked about this because when I was in high school, I always missed the big fights by like two minutes. And I'd always have to hear about it from my friends. Oh, so-and-so, they got into a fight in you know, the hall. And, the, and I'm like, oh, I always just miss things. I feel like that's Aaron Boone. He's always just missing things. He never does anything at the right moment. It's always two minutes later. And then it's too late for the Yankees to be able to do anything. And then they either lose a game, they lose a lead, and then they come up in the bottom of the ninth and they don't do anything. Or if they're on the road, the home team will walk off on them. And it's just, I, 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 I don't understand how this is happening. And I feel like he's a big reason why they're underperforming the way they are too. There have been a few games where he's made really questionable moves that have affected the outcome. And again, it does, it feels like, I know that Cashman gave him the vote of confidence and said, Oh no, we're not going to fire him. But I feel like no matter what happens, he's gone after this season. Look, uh, Cashman fired Joe Torrey. Right. Right. (laughs) Like, like, (laughs) He's he's has to have the 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 ability from whomever or within himself to fire Aaron fucking Boone. Oh, Gallo was scratched for non-medical reasons. It appears a trade is going down. That's from I Evan saw. Grant. Yeah. And apparently that waiting for the breaking conversation. Just and also, coming in hot off the top rope. Apparently, Judge is not in the dugout, which also has some of the beat reporters confused. Oh dear. <laughs> oh no oh, god oh, not the confused beat reporters well because usually you know if if you get scratched because your back hurts right you know and you're just so sore and not going on the il like yeah, he'll be in the be, yeah he might be getting treatment or something but andy martino said just an item of housekeeping yankees haven't gotten any trade calls on aaron judge industry sees them as pure buyers so we'll and see. so let me ask you one of the other questions i had written down about yankees trade season who are you willing to part with? Or if it's easier, who are your only untouchables in a big blockbuster Yankees trade situation? Hmm. Well, Judge is untouchable. <laughs> That'd be just so dumb if they traded him really. You know, uh, as I said, I went to that Angels game and I took Ooh. Metro North to the stadium. If you go to the Yankees 153rd station, it's all Aaron Judge. It's his Pepsi advertisements everywhere. He has a section in the stadium named after him. Why on earth would anyone trade him at this point? That's just dumb. He's the face of the Yankees. He'll probably be named the captain, although I don't know if his COVID thing helped there. That might have kind of hurt things a little bit. Um, But I feel like almost everyone but him is expendable. I wouldn't be upset if they traded, well, I might, I don't know. I have a soft spot for Glaber Torres. I feel like he can turn things around and he could be a really good player. He's still really young. He's only 24. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like those two would be the ones that I'd say absolutely not, but anyone else? Bye. Nice to see what you. about some of the, uh, the minor league prospects? Like, you know, how much, how attached are you to, uh, Davey Garcia or, uh, or Luis Medina, um, Jason Dominguez, Jason Dominguez, Oh, no, no. I want Jason Dominguez to stay just because he's named after Jason Giambi. And I love Jason Giambi. And I thought, I think that's the coolest thing ever. Um, Jason Giambi didn't spell his name like that, though, right? I know. Like, his no, parents one fewer add, S. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He, they added the extra S. But yeah, he's, he was named after Jason Giambi, which I hope Jason Giambi knows that because I think that's amazing. Um, 
Davey Garcia, has he been doing any better? Because I know when he first was sent back down to the minors, he was being lit up every start, just awful. Um, <sighs> no, I don't, I don't think he's been doing any better at all. Mm. It's like, what could you get for him when he's not doing well? Like, like you said earlier, you know, Park was hitting the crap out of the ball and it was the perfect time to trade him for something of value. I don't feel like you could get a lot of value with Garcia unless you lump him in with three or four other players. But who would that be? Real you know, quick, <laughs> hold on, to cut you off, Levy Uh-oh. Weaver of The Athletic is saying that he is hearing Joey Gallo is going to the Yankees. Boo. What? That's Boo. what I'm seeing. I'm, I'm refreshing Twitter like a madman. And Levi or Most Levy, not sure of the status of his Jewishness, um, of The Athletic, who is a Texas beat reporter. Yes. Uh, is, he's, a cool, he's a cool dude. Says that he's hearing Joey Gallo is going to the Yankees. Oh, my That's God. That's so fucking huge. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so we might actually get a real-time... Uh, conversation about what this trade, how this trade makes us. John Heyman feel just about tweeted this. out: "Yankees get Joey Gallo." Yeah. Fuck. Oh, oh my god. Wow. <laughs> Jeff Passan, New York Yankees are finalizing a deal to acquire outfielder Joey Gallo. Deal is pending medical review. Passan tweeted it, so it's happening. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say Heyman can be iffy, but Passan, that's real. Oh my God. John Heyman follows me on Twitter, which is really funny because we got into a fight on Twitter about eight years ago. And he's when he started following me, I thought, why is he following me? And then I noticed um, he's been following me for like a year and a half and I haven't annoyed him enough to have him unfollow me. So that's kind of funny. <laughs> it's very annoying because I actually do my best to get blocked by him and he never does. <laughs> so many people do that. And on Twitter? I worked with Again? his wife years ago. So um yeah and she's the sweetest person and when i found out she was married to him i was like interesting (laughs) it's a very odd couple but they've been married for years because i worked with her a long time ago i'm talking 18 maybe 18 years ago so yeah Mm -hmm. buster only follows me for some reason um just so popular but it's just you know but i insult espn a lot and i used to write for them too which is even funnier Um, well espn deserves to be made fun of so mm -hmm. Um, so I, I actually kind of hold myself back a little bit and don't say some of the things I want to say because I'm like, oh, Buster Olney and Marley Rivera follow me. I can't be too mean about ESPN. <laughs> Corwin, look, you look like you got something primed and ready. What's up? Not oh, really. Funny? I was just asking, is John Heyman the worst talking head on Twitter, on baseball <laughs> Twitter, at least? Uh, Bob Nightingale. Oh, uh, well, no, Bob, I, I Bob is bad with Bob updates. Nightingale. Well, yeah, but, he's bad with updates and he jinxes people. But John Heyman, jinxes like, aren't real. John Heyman's actual opinions are bad. And I think that's what, right. what does it for. Like, did you see a few days ago when he um, was on MLB Network and he said that he thinks that check swings should all count as strikes? Not not just check swings. Any indication of a swing. What? No. Oh, you any missed this? indication whatsoever. I missed it. Well, I... I, the, like the beginning of any type of swing was was to count as a strike because in Heyman's words, it was something like the pitcher fooled you enough to make you start your process yeah. of swinging. No, no, no. And no, they no. made him clarify. And the guy went up <laughs> he there. He dug went, in? Is that a swing? Yeah, it's a swing. <laughs> swing. Wow. 
Yeah, you so for move, me, like, that's what does You can't it. have any movement whatsoever or else it's a swing. No, because... Well, it was the worst baseball take I've ever heard. But what is his uh, rationale for that? Does he think that would speed up the game? Uh, no, he, it was purely a, a pitcher fooling the hitter type deal. <laughs> so obviously we are vamping a small little bit because I really want to hear what the return is for this. But I um, oh, while yeah. I'm frantically refreshing Twitter, <laughs> um, <laughs> let me let me loop back into um, some of the actual questions that I had asked. So, all right. Or not asked, but had written down. So. Season's over for two deal. Oh, you you already have some details. Yeah, John Boy just tweeted out 14 seconds ago. Josh, repeat oh, or I'm refresh. Sorry. 17 seconds ago ah. for me. My my apologies. So six players for two players. So are you getting Gibson too? I would imagine. Oh no! Do they have any high payroll guys that they actually have to that the Yankees would chew some money for? Ah, oh, but then the Yankees wouldn't send six players. Where's Mid Odor? <laughs> um so maybe it is Aaron Judge. Aaron no, Judge not, and some nobody not. for six players from the Rangers. The, did the Rangers have six players the Yankees want? I was trying like while I was saying that I was trying to like go through it in my head. It's like, all right, Gallo, Garcia, Gibson, Lau. I don't know. Maybe some of their bullpen arms. I mean, don't they have a who's that guy that throws that 100 mile an hour cutter? Oh, oh what's his name? Right. What's that guy? Yeah, that's he, he's there. Can we talk about that for a second? Because I talked about this with David Cohn on my podcast. David Cohn is the best, by the way. If you can get him on here, get him on here. He'll, he'll I, I tweeted at him after I found an old picture I had taken with him when I was like five that I do not remember at all and was <laughs> like, hey, let me know if you want to recreate this. And then he never got back to me, but I don't know really? how to reach him. Oh, okay. Well, I'm gonna um, find him. yeah, no, he's great. Um, we were talking about this because I said when a world Chapman came up and he was throwing regularly over 100 miles an hour, everyone thought, oh my God. And now it's like you know, guys like Jake DeGrom, it's like the seventh inning and he's still throwing a hundred miles an hour. And it's getting to the point now where you're going to see people coming up throwing 104, 105 with regularity. And it's like, when is it going to stop? And David Cohn's like, oh, I can see someone throwing 105 with regularity within the next like one or two seasons. And I joked that it felt like these guys are all grown in labs and, you know, guys are bigger pitchers are way bigger now than they used to be all these six foot seven six foot eight dudes that used to be rarities they're now regular starting pitchers and it's just crazy how much things have changed even in the last i would say decade in the game of baseball when it comes to pitching and how hard everyone throws and you see it in the offensive numbers i mean sure some guys are still hitting well but so many guys can't really do anything against this pitching and I almost feel like baseball wants to do something to stop it from happening. John King, were... by the way, that's the other player that's coming over from the Rangers. Who is John King? Who the hell is that? Uh, he's a pitcher who's currently on the IL. I just happen to have Texas's depth chart in front of me. Of course, um, they love people on the IL. He, I guess, is a starter because he's a seven and five record, but in only forty six innings pitched. Unless, no, maybe he's a. No, he's a bullpen guy. He has no game started. He's been in 27 games this season. Uh, 3.52 ERA, uh, 3.3 FIP, 1.152 whip. Um, okay. 
I guess that's our replacement, Luis Sessa. Maybe. Uh, anyway. By the way, yesterday with Michael King, speaking of Kings, uh, speaking of Aaron Boone, not knowing what the hell's going on. He said that the injury wasn't that bad. And then the Yankees announced maybe 20 minutes later that 60 day IL. He was going on the 60 yeah. day. And I'm I, thinking, I was thinking, why the, they said he like banged his finger against a weight in the weight room. I was like, oh, I've done that before. He'll probably be out for like a few days, maybe the 10 day IL just to, for some roster purposes. And then he's in the 60? Did he lose the finger? But the thing about it was Boone saying, oh, they don't think it's a big deal. And then literally it was 20 to 25 minutes later, they announced that King was going to the 60 day IL. And I thought well, to myself, did anyone tell Boone? Like, does he know well, yeah, what's going that's, on? That's his thing. He downplays everything. And I could see how that could be somewhat useful if the team's performing well so that they don't get too big for their britches. Mm-hmm. But fuck, I mean, you got to show some urgency when it's not. And it's like, you can't downplay everything that happens to just some weird muted existence. So someone said, imagine having a judge's chambers and a gallows gallows in the outfield. <laughs> oh God, who's the executioner? <laughs> um, but I'm to, just to, excited to see Gallo without a beard. Oh yeah. Yeah. Maybe he'll keep a He, he should keep a mustache. They allow that. I would love an old time mustache. Burt Reynolds mustache would be yeah. fantastic. Like a Fu- or Fu so Manchu. <laughs> Ooh. Who's who was like Mr. Fu Manchu back in the 80s? I mustache no wise? Yeah. Let me think. Like I think oh god, I'm just I'm picturing a Yankees uniform. Right. Well, there are a few guys that had Catfish Hunter? Maybe. No, that was the 70s, but yeah. Mm. Goose Gossage, he have one of those? Oh yeah, his oh. mustache was pretty substantial. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I think that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yeah, his uh, mustache was uh, pretty Fu Manchu-ish, and it still kind of is now, even though it's white and matches his white face. <laughs> so he's he's probably my least favorite Yankee. Ugh, he's the worst. He just won't shut up. I'm so glad. I, I don't think we heard anything from him at, during spring training about how bad baseball is and how bad everyone is. So that's Is he good. still allowed to go? Goose? No, mm-hmm. I think they told him to stop coming to Old Timers Day, too. I think so. Yeah. Cause he would, <laughs> yes, because he wouldn't shut up about certain things. Yeah. I think they basically were like, bye. <laughs> yeah. Please stop being here. We do not like you. Um, Agreed. So my thumbs getting sore from refreshing Twitter. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to gather my thoughts. Well, okay. So Clark Schmidt is heading to the Rangers. That's one player. Whoa. What? Yes. Really? That's what I'm seeing from Dan Federico. Interesting. That's one of the players. Huh, because huh? he's coming off the, he was coming, yeah, he's coming off the IL. He was working his way back. Yeah, it's funny because I was just the other day wondering what the hell happened to Clark Schmidt. And I guess this, so. Wow. All I'm right, gonna, so that's one. I'm going to tweet out that Joey Gallo should keep a mustache. <laughs> hell yeah. Because everyone's like, oh, guys with beard shouldn't be traded to the Yankees. It's like, shut up. Please, Rugnet Odor looks so much better. I he really does. I mean, he looks like a total, I just... I don't know if it's, I don't have that thing where people don't recognize people's faces, but there are a lot of times that I, I apparently have confused baseball players for each other because I forgot what Corey Kluber looked like. I had no idea with Rugi, what Rugi Odor looked like. I, I was picturing a completely different guy. Oh, um, yeah. uh, you know, when he came over, I'm like, that's him. <laughs> like, what? <Right? laughs> yeah. Uh, he just didn't look. Yeah. It's anything. crazy when you think that he was like 20, 21 when he rocked Jose Bautista in the face. Oh, God, that was so cool. Like, he was a kid. 
so great. I'm so sorry, but I, I, that was a, that was a college young college age student who rocked a very recognizable face of the franchise blue Jay in the dome for like almost no reason. Really? I mean, it really was he, Oh God, I'm picturing it right now and seeing Bautista's face kind of shift from the punch. And I hated that bat flip so much because I just felt like Blue Jays fans were being a little too obnoxious that year. And then friggin' Texas collapsing the way they, the way they did in that inning. And I thought, here we go. He's hitting a home run right now. I can feel it in my bones. And sure enough. And I was one of the only people on baseball Twitter. I didn't even say anything while everyone else was going nuts. And I was just like, God damn it. (laughs) I was actually rooting for them to lose in the playoffs. I'm like, no, they don't deserve this right now. Screw that. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) All right. But I'm going to, while I'm still, scrolling immensely i'm going to loop back (laughs) to (laughs) the point that you were making about pitchers throwing hard with regularity yes and i you do have to wonder if there's going to be the change in in not the change but like you're going to have your guy that throws 105 Mm -hmm. because he does and you're going to have your guy that throws like 88 right like like there's still going to be i'd have to imagine room for your um, like Hunjin Ruse of the world or like right. your Rich Hills that don't throw fast at all, but their stuff is still so tricky that even though there's a, you know, Johnny, what's his face with legendary bat speed that can catch up to one Oh five every 20th swing. Um, there'll be room for the guy that's still, that's what's like fun about baseball is like, yeah, that one Oh five guy might end up the season with the same ERA, as Mr. 88 miles an hour, because 105 guy can't fucking throw it anywhere he means to. Jordan <laughs> Hicks, he's going to end up, you know, like, like Jordan Hicks right now has that problem if right. he's not hurt. I don't remember. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, that's that's the game. And I, I assume at some point we also have to reach peak velocity of what the human body is physically capable of. Right, right. Because there is, there is a point where it's going to stop. Um, maybe 105 will be the limit depending on I guess I don't know I don't even know how that works because I went to high school with a guy who actually made it to the majors he was drafted in 92 by the Marlins the expansion Marlins and he ended up playing for the Braves he ended up playing for the Padres he was throwing 92 when we were in high school and back in 1991-92 throwing 92 was a big deal especially when you were a tall skinny high school kid they used to go to the boardwalk in new jersey and you know do the speed where they measure the miles an hour that you throw a ball oh yeah and his friends would bet and say oh yeah you know he can throw 90 miles an hour and the guy behind the counter would be like yeah okay and then will would fire off a ball 92 miles an hour yeah, every young like, high school kid comes up here and says that yeah right right and um so it's just funny how 92 seems pedestrian compared to what guys are doing but if you can find a guy who can throw over 100 but then still throw something around 89 90 to really fool like i like those pitchers who could throw the ball really hard but then have secondary pitches where they're throwing so much slower that the batter really doesn't know what to do and can't do anything and, you know, as we're sitting here and I'm thinking about it, I think the, the beginning of the process of making it feel more normal has already really taken, like seeing a guy hit 98, 99 is very normal now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, like as a, as a, as a batter, not, not even as a pitcher, like as a pitcher, you know, oh, yeah. throwing 99 is quite an accomplishment, of course, but like mm-hmm. as a batter, like it, that's kind of, 
it's not like it's every pitcher throws 98, 99, but enough of them do that. If you can't hit it, you're probably going to have a hard time getting consistent playing time. Cause so many players do. Um, and I think we're already starting to see that because, you know, eight years ago, having a bullpen of dudes that all seemingly could throw 98, 99 miles an hour would be one hell of an accomplishment. And now it's like, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Here's random Marlins prospect that also happens to throw 99 miles an hour. Ezekiel Duran. I don't know One who the that other is. players. Yeah. yeah. I don't know who that is either. They got rid of Duran. Man, I can't make yeah. any Duran Duran jokes. Come on. You can. You just have to be in Texas to do it. Damn it. Because the other night, the MLB pipeline account, he hit two home runs and they said Duran Duran. I was like, yes, someone referencing my old age on Twitter. This is awesome. His name is Rio and he dances the Rio Grande. Look, they're my favorite band. I've seen them 25, 22 times live. Duran Duran, really? Yeah, I'm old. I mean, touche. I was I know, gonna, like I'm one gonna song. Be, I'm going to be 47 next month. So their they're peak time, 84, I was just turning 10. I actually heard them before they made it big in the United States because my best friend in childhood's half sister was in college at the time and an english girl was her roommate for a semester at loyola marymount and she had the first duran duran album and we heard it before they became big in the united states and we listened to girls on film i'll never forget it and i thought oh this is really cool music i was like seven or eight at the time (laughs) and then i saw them on mtv and i thought oh i love them so much and it's been ever since so yeah (laughs) my my mother her first year at Rutgers um, was so early into REM's career that they played a free show at like one of the, I don't know, parks around Rutgers that she went to, which like no, she said like no one was there. And then by the end of her time at Rutgers, they were selling out uh, all the stadiums nearby Mm -hmm the school you know like you'd have to go into newark at like one of uh because at that point it would have been the eyes out center to go see them but she was there early that's awesome yeah i didn't get to see duran duran when i was a kid my mom didn't want to take me and i i you know uh, i still hold that against her 36 years later 37 years later i am still angry about that i didn't get to see them till 94 i think it was the first time i went to see them so from 1994 till now i've seen them 22 times yeah, damn, I don't think I've seen. I don't think I've, I've. I don't think I've ever seen anyone twice. <laughs> yeah, I love them. I I dragged my mom up concert. To... Really? Yeah. Only one. Who was your one? Hoodie Allen. I didn't even buy the tickets. They were a gift. I, was gonna say, I don't even know who that yeah. is. My first concert was U2. I saw them during the Joshua Tree tour on May thirteenth, nineteen eighty-seven, at the Brendan Byrne Arena. And it was awesome. It was a, such a good first concert to go to. Hmm. Yeah. That's way more detail than I ever could possibly imagine. Yeah, I remember dates. It's kind of scary, but yeah. I can't do dates at all. I don't know. My, my first concert was Leonard Skinner opened for by Blue Oyster Cult at PNC Park. Oh, yeah. It was a great concert, Wait, even though like PNC? half the guys from Leonard Skinner are dead. But still. I was going to say, I'm like... Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I told one of my friends after I went to the show that I went to that show and he was like, what, did you get into a time machine? I was yeah, like, all right, unnecessary. I mean, 
most of Leonard Skinner was gone before I was even toddling. I think when was that? That I mean, that's horrible. But when was that plane crash? I was young when that happened. Oh yeah, it was like yeah. late seventies, early eighties. Like it was, yeah, like right think, in their prime. Yeah, maybe in like seventy seven or seventy eight. So yeah, I was like three or four when that happened. That's why when you said, I'm like, wait, and I thought the same thing. Did you get into a time machine? <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I, I I bought merch while I was there too. <laughs> Oh, all, all my first concerts were, were, you know, like older acts. Like my con- the second concert was ACDC. My third concert was Peter Frampton. Wow. Oh, I'm yeah. Impressed. Oh, I love it. I saw Frampton at like a 400 person outdoor tent kind of thing or indoor tent kind of thing. Like really small, intimate concert. It was amazing. That's awesome. I will say it is weird to see him bald because when you grow up with Frampton Comes Alive. Oh yeah. Like that cover art and all the hair, all that glorious like, hair, seeing him bald is like jarring. Like I didn't realize it was him when he got on stage. <laughs> yeah. That happened to a lot of guys I went to high school with because, you know, I was in high school from 88 to 92. So that was prime long mullet time. And for the girls, we had the double uh, level bangs, at least going into the nineties. And then we started growing our bangs out. But for the guys, all the guys who had really great long mullets, showed up to our 10th reunion <laughs> and I'm like, where did all the hair go? <laughs> I was going to say, I bet not a lot of those survived. No, nope. no. And then by the time our 25th reunion came around four years ago, uh, most of them were completely bald, just shaved everything off because what was the point to holding on to three hairs that they did? not Yeah. At some point you got to give in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh. So while we're still waiting for more of the pieces, because I actually really I, I'm committed now to us finding out all the details. <laughs> this could um, take hours. <laughs> hey, man, we'll take it as long as we can. Um, so you also are one of the hosts of the IBWAA podcast, and you are now responsible for uh, interviewing members uh, at the uh, as the uh, one of the concluding parts of the show. I was actually <laughs> interviewed by your predecessor, Armand, who is a wonderful guy. Yeah. Um, so I just missed you, I think, by like a few weeks. Was like, <laughs> wow. I didn't know it was going to be like the end of his tenure, um, but he was a really nice guy. Uh, how do you prepare for those? I, I usually look at the person's bio. Now, if I know them, it's easier for me. I interviewed um, Javi Reyes of Locked On Padres, and I know him well. And he was on to the podcast that went up today. So it was easy for me to talk to him because we've done crossovers before, and it was easy for me to talk to him, but I do come up with questions, especially if it's someone who's written a book, I'll ask them about, you know, what they've written, how the process was, because I really enjoy talking to writers and finding out everyone's process. And because I want people to know who listen to the podcast, that nothing they do is wrong as a writer. Everyone has a different way of doing things. Nothing is ever wrong. And I just, I I'm so interested in that. And hearing from other writers and finding out that there are some things that I do that are similar to some people and some things that are definitely not, but it's still cool to listen to them talk about all that stuff. Um, But I do enjoy talking to fellow writers. I haven't written anything myself in a a long time. I kind of want to go back to it, but part of me is afraid because I'm so into the podcasting thing now and I'm used to the podcasting that I don't know if I could get back into writing. That's actually been one of the things that's held me back because I one of the things I talked to Armand about when I was on was how I want to get into baseball writing because I've only been in the podcast sphere of it. And I have thought about it and I had such a hard time coming up with topics 
for what I want to fully write about because so much of what Corwin and I do on the show is very conversational, current, and we try to do a lot because we cover like three sports in the fullness of the show mm-hmm. that we end up moving on from topics really quickly. And I struggled to think about something I'd want to talk about more in depth. Where do you usually find those topics? Although, hold on, before you answer, Corwin. Alver is the third prospect involved in the trade or the third player. Okay. So that makes it Ezekiel Duran, Clark Schmidt, and Trevor Halver, three of the six. Oh, the kid from, uh, he was playing with Tampa, right? Uh, Yes. I think he'd really started Uh, off his season. Like he was hitting like, I think he hit like 500 his first week or something. Like it was some crazy numbers that he was hitting. Yeah. His slash line in Tampa uh, is 288, 445. Yeah. Um, 498. Jesus. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but all right. So, all right. So that's three out of six. Anyway, um, how do you pick your, your topics to actually write about? Um, as, if it's something you've been thinking about since you're con- contemplating getting back into it. Well, I used to do this feature on the hardball times, random box score, and I would hmm. randomly Love pick a game. A good random box score. Yeah. I would p- pick a game randomly, usually from, the 70s or 80s sometimes the 90s I didn't really do anything too modern because my favorite thing was going through the lineups and I put the lineups up I put the umpires so you get the feel for the box score and you know what's going on and the managers and what was happening with the team or the teams playing each other up to that point what was going on in the world what the number one song was what the movies were out you know what movies were out when that game was happening like all that stuff just to get you into that mindset that here you are 1983 this is what was happening And I basically would go through the play-by-play and write it out and tell a story about what happened in the game and how the game ends and what the teams go on to do in that season. And I'd come up with that idea when they asked me to write for the Hardball Times. That was in, I think it was like the early fall of 2015, they reached out to me uh, because I had been writing for a while at that point. And I thought, yeah, that'll be cool. And I came up with this idea and they're like, yeah, that'd be great. And, you know, these pieces were over 3,000 words each. So it would take me time to actually write them out. But I loved doing it because I just loved exploring games that I probably didn't watch between teams that I didn't watch because, you know, sometimes they were National League teams. Sometimes they were from before I was born or before I was cognizant of what baseball was. Um, but I love that kind of historical stuff. Modern stuff, when I was writing for certain places, they would give us ideas and we'd pick from them. Um, Or if I was writing about the Yankees, it was easy to write about them because anything that was happening with them, I could come up with an idea to write about. Um, You know, and the thing about me when I was writing, they could tell me, like my editor could say, I need 700 words by this time. And I would always get it to them no matter what the deadline was. Because once I started writing, it was almost like word vomit. It would just come out of me and I would like speed through it and, you know, get it in. Uh, There was one time I was working for ESPN. I did weekend shift once a month um, where I had to keep track of every game that was happening on either a Friday or Saturday. And we would have to figure out what the biggest story was. The first one I ever did was when this was in 2014, Ryan Braun hit Gene Segura right in the head with his bat. Cause he was standing on the bull on the dugout stairs, like twirling his bat behind him and Segura didn't see him <laughs> and he bashed him in the head. And that was the biggest story of the night. And I had to write about that. Um, I wrote about 
a month later, I wrote about Danny Duffy took a no hitter into like the seventh inning. Um, and that night I was working with Christina Carl. She doesn't work for ESPN anymore, but we were friends and I was very nervous to work with her as my editor. And she said, you know, can you get me 800 words by midnight your time? And it was 1115 because she was in Chicago at the time. And I said, yeah, yeah, I could do that. 1159, I submit probably about 830 words. <laughs> I don't know how the hell I did it, but I did. And if you tell me what to write, I can do it. If I have to come up with it on my own, it takes me a while to do it. So the structure helps having been given yes. a topic and a deadline and you're like, oh, yes. all right. And then like a word count and you're like, all right, I, I have the framework for what needs to be accomplished right. and I can fill in the gaps myself. Yeah. Like if I worked at a website where news was happening, if you give me news to write about, I'm better at doing that. When it comes to doing features or coming up with my own ideas, it takes me a while to write those pieces. I'm not bad at it. I just need a longer process to get them done. But when it comes to news, I could bang those out in whatever, you know, an hour or two. And it's, that's easy for me to do. And also with baseball perspectives, I did their, uh, what you need to know column that isn't there anymore. But um, the last one I did was the 18 inning game between the Dodgers and the Red Sox in the 2018 world series. And I thought to myself, these motherfuckers, this game is never ending. It ended at what? Five Eastern. I, I think I clocked out watching it somewhere around the 13th inning. Yeah. Of that game. Yeah. I handed in my recap at I think it was 6.59 a.m. <laughs> I stayed up the whole, the whole night. The game ended Ooh. at 5. And wait, no, was it 5.59? Wait a minute. Did it only take me an hour? I think it only took me an hour, but still 5.59. I was like, done, boom. At that point, you got to be sitting on a lot of words and you're just yeah. like, yeah, adding yeah, in wrote, as, as the game know, progresses. Yeah, I wrote some notes down and you know, I had an idea of what I wanted to write. And then I joked because that was game three and I joked that game five would be starting it sometime soon because it was just such a long game that it felt like it lasted into game four and through game four. So because it was 18 innings and some people didn't get that joke. They were like, oh, the next game is game four. I'm like, hello, they played 18 innings it's like they play two <laughs> games get the joke so anyway that was my last baseball prospectus thing but that was another thing you give me something to write about i can do it in no time and i'm good with coming up with ideas but i'm always afraid to write about them <laughs> my roommate at the time during that world series was from boston and is a huge boston red sox fan and we just stayed up well i don't think i made it through the game but he stayed up to watch the very end and we just I mean, obviously, we skipped class the next day because we had a good excuse. <laughs> You're right. I have a video somewhere on my phone of just us sitting in front of our TV, and he's just like rocking himself back and forth, like ripping his hair out. <laughs> yeah, that was a who. That was such a. Wait, what? Okay, hold on. Lindsay Adler just tweeted out the full. Uh... Oh no, hold on. Possibly one more players. All right, so most of the players then that are going over to Texas, Trevor Hauver. Ezekiel mm -hmm. Duran, uh, Everson Pereira, Randy Vasquez, and Glenn Otto, and possibly one more player. Oh, That's Glenn it. Otto. Yeah, She's missing. Name. So she doesn't have Clark Schmidt. So okay. theoretically, if there's possibly one more player, I guess that would be Clark Schmidt would make that hole. That doesn't seem like a lot. However, Corwin you and I were just talking last episode about what it would take to fix the Rangers in a world in which they do trade Gallo. And our solution was the Rangers are so bad 
everywhere. It might just take volume. And this is volume. I just feel like none of the Yankees' best prospects, fan, but as a non Yankees fan, I don't know a single one of these players. I know Which, names. He, I know yeah. the names, but I don't really you know, know much about them. Like, I know it's not fair to say, but I'm a baseball fan. I watch baseball. I'm not, you know, a diehard Yankees fan, obviously, but of course, my first reaction is going to be well, if I don't know any of them, none of them can be all that good. I feel like volume does, you know, absolutely have its role to play, especially with what the Rangers need to do to fix their team. I just would have kind of hoped to see some marquee player, some marquee prospect, somebody with some weight to it to replace, a, you know, the face of their franchise in Joey Gallo. Yeah. As a Rangers fan, I'd be very upset looking at all this, this return. Obviously, I think there's uh, still the component of maybe the Yankees ate some of Gallo's salary, although it's not an enormous amount of salary. So who the hell knows with that? Um, the other part of it, I would think the, this reminds me of the you Darvish and Blake Snell trades where mm-hmm. I was like you Corwin were obviously very happy because even though Corwin is currently wearing um, Pittsburgh pirates gear, he is a Padres fan. Um, you were obviously very happy. And I was like, this is a deal that uh, seemingly every team in baseball should have been in on. This is all it's going to cost. And this feels more like that, I think, than say a Starling Marte trade where the A's had to send over the guy who was just last season, the number nine prospect in all of baseball. So Aaron judge is in the dugout and he's wearing a helmet. I don't know what that means. So, um, Because, you know, people people were like, oh, you know, he was scratched for a non-medical reason. People are trying to make it seem like he was being traded. And it's like, no, he's not being traded. Stop. Watch as he did this on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) That that would be funny. That would be really Um, funny. So Jeff Passan uh, just tweeted out, Glenn Otto, Ezekiel Duran, Josh Smith, Trevor Hauver, all involved. Others included. Clark Schmidt is not on the move. Oh. Okay. Interesting. Holy right, so, shit. So then Lindsay is correct because she didn't include him there. All right. Yeah. So it looks like Josh Smith Lindsay. is the player that Jeff Passan has that Lindsay Adler did not. So mm-hmm. Josh Smith might be the sixth player if there is to be one uh, um, that Lindsay didn't have. Judge is pinch hitting for Esteban Floreal. Oh, so he's oh, okay. going in the game. So like, what, I don't, what, what are they doing? <laughs> wait, wait, hold, hold on. Hold what? on. So Judge makes 20 minutes after the lineup gets released, they scratch Aaron Judge for some unknown reason. He's not even in the dugout. And then he pinch hits. What inning are we even in right now? I, I don't even I don't even know what's going on with the game because we've been top of the fifth. We're in the fifth inning. <laughs> you know what this feels like? This feels like when Luis Severino got the wrong time for that ALDS game against the Astros. Oh, uh- this feels like that. This feels like Boone like forgot Aaron Judge like needed to get uh, treatment for like a back or a hamstring thing, and Judge was like, "Coach, I am stiff as a board," and did, and Boone was like, "All right, go to the trainer's office, get stretched out," and then Judge came back an hour later and was like, "All right, I'm good now," and then Boone's like, "All right, end the game, you go." I mean, like, what the fuck else are we doing here? It's not like they told Judge, "Hey." come out of the game we might trade you to 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 the to texas that that wasn't going to happen don't like, know that what 
What are we doing? It's the, it's only the fifth. <laughs> oh man. This team is confounding. There's so yeah. people are joking. <laughs> Yankees getting judge one last AB before he gets traded. Classy move. <laughs> oh, please get out of here. That's funny. <laughs> don't even joke about it. I don't want to hear it. Oh God, that's so funny. I mean, this season is really weird. It's just weird. I don't understand what's happening. I mean, all around baseball, no one expected the Giants to be as good as they are. Um, no one expected the Red Sox to be as good as they are. Um, but, you know, Alex Core is back and they're probably cheating. Um, who else? The Brewers? Did they expect the Brewers to be as good as they are? I don't think they expected the rest of the NL Central to suck as bad as it does. But And I don't think anyone expected the Diamondbacks to be as bad as they are. No, <laughs> the Diamondbacks horrible. were definitely I mean, a surprise. The, I would say the Reds, if anything, have overperformed. The mm-hmm. Giants, absolutely. But yeah, the Giants are by far yeah. the biggest surprise. Yeah. Everyone oh, on yeah. the Giants is having a career season. I know. Like the old guys are. It's like, what is going on there? It's oh. crazy. Speaking of NL teams, let me actually ask you about the Mets because they should be doing a lot better than they are, right? I think so, yes. Um, yeah, because if they were in the AL East, they would be in third place. They're the division leader with the fewest amount of wins out of everyone in baseball. Although it's getting a little closer now. Uh, Last week at one point, the NL East was the only division where the last place team was within 10 games of the first place team. That's changed a little bit since then. But I feel like, yeah, the the Mets should be better. But, you know, I mean, DeGrom's out again. Syndergaard is working his way back. Um, I, I feel like their bullpen occasionally blows things up for them, but not as not at the same rate as the Yankees bullpen does. Uh, every once in a while, you'll have a Diaz blow up, but um, I feel like they should be playing a little better. And I feel like something needs, I don't know what move should be made, but I don't see them not making a move at some point within the next two days to make themselves better. Well, and I, I think that's also part of, you know, the mentality of having to watch these two teams between the Yankees and the Mets, because the Mets have only, if they were in the same division, the Mets would only be one game up on the Yankees. Mm-hmm. That's, that's nothing. It's absolutely like this, the way their teams have performed as it translates to wins and losses have been exactly the same for all intents and purposes. And yet one team on top of the division. So you can say, well, should we be better? Yeah, but we give right. a fuck and you could say no whereas the yankees it's like we should be a lot better and we might miss the playoffs entirely right and if the yankees were in the mets position i think you'd one wonder how much of a push they'd make at the deadline which is one of the reasons i'd also like them to treat this with some urgency you can't rely on even having weak wild card teams like you're not even in a wild card spot right um and you know you can you can say, well, our division sucks. We'll you, you do the thing that, that the, the twins did for years, which is, well, our division sucks. We don't have to try very hard, right. Um, right. which you could do for a year and then be better in the off season. Oh, Cleveland. Oh, yeah. Because, because we talked about it earlier and because I have to ask, would you trade Aaron judge for a guy like Jacob deGrom? No. Can't please mm. you people. Well, it's tougher to build your team entirely around pitching because look at how the Mets are. Right. 
I, right. I mean, the Mets have had good, good rotations for six, seven years now. How's it worked out for them? They can't right. hit to save their lives. Right. They can't even make it to the playoffs, even though they have really good rotations seemingly every season and do nothing because they, they can't hit their way into a win. They can't hit their way into a two-to-one win. I mean, how many of those games that DeGrom left that either the bullpen, bullpen blew, was this a couple seasons ago? Was that 2019 where he they just didn't do anything for him? I believe that he was the year, yeah. Right, and he should have had at least 25 wins and he had like barely anything because he couldn't get run support and the bullpen kept blowing it for him because that's the way that team was constructed at the time. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. Plus DeGrom, is he 31 now? 31 and 32. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, he's not falling off in any way, but you know, these injuries of late are scary a little bit because anytime you hear any kind of arm injury with a guy that throws as hard as he does, it, you know, brings a bit of pause there because you're thinking, uh-oh, what's happening? So I don't know. And plus the thing with the Yankees is their farm system is finally in a position where they shouldn't have to trade Aaron Judge right. to get That's back from your talent. Right. That's why they're trading all these guys that some people haven't heard of before because um i mean i don't mind the gallo move because i could see him hitting home runs at yankee stadium and that could be really fun and it'll be nice to see another lefty in the lineup. yeah right <laughs> a lefty in the lineup and maybe him and odor can kind of feed off each other now well and now they can stop fucking batting odor third when they're playing a righty right oh my god it's fucking infuriating <laughs> And this is one of the things Corwin, I've, I've granted to Corwin a lot about over the past few seasons, which is if the Yankees front office has decided that it does not, dexterity does not matter as long as you hit and have good underlying statistics against everybody so that it ultimately results in you hitting a fucked on home runs or whatever. And so they decide that being left-handed doesn't matter. You know, you look at like them trading for Luke Voigt. It mm-hmm. didn't matter that Luke Voigt was a right-handed batter. He hit everything. Cool. If that's the case, then the manager needs to be on board with that shit because batting Brett Gardner third for months on end is infuriating to watch and makes no sense. Either dexterity matters and you need to build your team like that, or dexterity doesn't matter and you should put your three best hitter, your four best hitters, one through four, and then shake out the rest however you feel like after that. It was, oh, it's mind numbing. I hate it. And then all the Anyone people who's who played Dark Souls about- knows. Dexterity matters a ton. <laughs> and everyone is talking about them trading Judge. You saw what they did against the Red Sox this weekend without Judge in the lineup. It was a big hole. You need him in the lineup. What are you thinking about? Especially because he also plays phenomenal outfield defense. And, well, we have Miguel Andujar out there a lot. <laughs> yeah. That's, Although that's his, not good. His, uh, is it his wrist? Is that what he's hurt with, right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, and then you got Clint Frazier getting, still getting tests on his head. Although I think they said that he'll be starting, uh, rehab assignments next week. So we'll see what happens with him. I feel so bad for Clint Frazier. I feel like he has the worst luck in the world because it feels like every time he's about to turn a corner, something happens injury wise. I feel bad for him too, especially because the Yankees should have traded him a few seasons ago. The, was it last year, two years ago when he, Every time he came up, he had great success, but they weren't giving him consistent playing time. Right. And look, if you have a guy that's doing that and you can't get him playing time, 
there's going to be like 20 other teams that are looking at that guy saying, we'll give him playing time. We'll kind of trade like that Park. guy. Kind of like yeah. what they did with Park. They should have Honestly, done yeah. seasons ago. Yeah. If, if you're really going to log jam the guy so bad that you're not going to get him good at bats, move him. Mm-hmm. Instead of yeah. constantly resigning Brett Gardner. Yeah, because they really, it's infuriating to me because I feel like what well, we saw what Frazier could do with regular playing time last season. You that saw must be him, the season I'm thinking of then, yeah. You saw him break out a little bit. And I know, I know 2020 was an odd season, but you saw that he could hit the ball in a consistent manner when he had consistent playing time. And I thought to myself, okay, this might be this might bode well for 2021 for him. And maybe Aaron Boone will be like, yeah, he's my starting left fielder. He's going to play. And it started off that way. And I feel like they don't give him enough of a chance other players are allowed to slump for months at a time, but Clint Frazier has like a three or four game slump and Boone's like, oh, now I'm going to start Gardner. Or I'm going to start this guy. And they don't even give him a chance to recover from that slump. And then he's sitting on the bench. Then they expect him to come back in cold. And obviously he's not going to be able to do anything if you keep yanking him from playing. So trade him if you're not going to play him. It's ridiculous. He's aging <laughs> on the bench. These are his prime years. What are you doing to this kid? And the line of construction part, I understand it's it's such a minor thing at the end of the season. You know, it'll it'll shake out how it shakes out and the extra plate appearances will either matter a little bit or it'll be negligible. But the idea that like Gary Sanchez will get knocked down to batting like seventh or eighth when he sucks. Right. But Gleyber Torres won't. Right. Or Clint Frazier will get knocked down to batting ninth when he sucks. But right. DJ or LeMahieu bench. won't. And and it's like, I, either we're going to let these guys own their lineup spot and figure it out there, or they're not. And it's that type of inconsistent thinking in how you're going to do anything. And it's not even that, like I said, not even like the lineup matters so tremendously that it's going to absolutely cost it. It'll matter in the long run, but nothing, not nearly as much as like, you know, managing the bullpen right. But like if, if, if you can't get on the same page and make uniform decisions based on the same fucking information, then you're not going to – what are we accomplishing? We're not accomplishing anything. Right. It's just frustrating sometimes, the decisions that they make. Like especially like what you were saying, and I can't remember who I was talking to about it, but why do some guys get so much leeway and other guys are treated as if they're pariahs? Like Gary Sanchez. He's treated like a pariah and he works his butt off. He really does. And I feel like Yankee fans are really unfair to him. And I feel like the coaching staff is slightly unfair to him with the way they bounce him all over the lineup. Uh And you know, he's a hot and cold hitter, but when he gets hot, it's like, keep him in the same spot. What are you doing? (laughs) I know. I know. I know. And the fact that they, up until recently, haven't been letting him catch Garrett Cole and all this nonsense. I, Love him. I have his jersey. It is the only current player jersey I have. I love him. Um, so. I do too. I have a soft spot for Gary Sanchez. He's another guy that I would be like, no, no, you can't. I forgot to mention him before. Yeah, no, I, I, I know people are like, oh, they should trade him away. And no, why? Do we want Kyle Higashioka starting all the time? No, thanks. People do not appreciate how hard it is to get a good hitting catcher because the Yankees went from Jorge Posada to oh my god that guy that ended up ended his career in Los Angeles I can't remember his fucking name and then to um oh my god the guy who ended his career in Houston 
I can't remember our catcher's names. And then to Gary oh, Sanchez. Like Rus- what Russell, Russell Martin. Russell Martin. Russell Martin. Yeah. And then who was the guy that ended his career in Houston with the Astros after they won the World Series? Oh, oh Brian uh, McCann. Yeah. Brian, Brian McCann. McCann. Brian McCann. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, we could have Chris Stewart. Yeah, or we could have Stewart? James McCann. Yeah. <laughs> super, super great catcher, James McCann. Oh, God. All right. Bad. He's not bad, but it's like I, I don't think there's a good appreciation for how hard it is to get actual decent pro- offensive production out of that position. Right. It is yeah. very hard. It is not common. Yeah, I think some Yankee fans need to be snapped back into reality. I was talking about this on my show. Nick Totoro, the actor. Oh, God. He was tweeting in all caps on Sunday. Yes, Sunday sucked. Okay, I know it sucked. It wasn't a good game. The bullpen imploded again. But he had the nerve to say that this was the worst Yankees team he's seen in 50 years. And I wanted to retweet in 50 years. And I wanted to retweet him and say, honey, were you around in 1990? Because I was. I turned 16 that season. And I actually ended up going to a lot of games in 1990. Thank God they won a lot of them. But I saw like the few wins that they had that year. That was the year that Andy Hawkins pitched a no hitter and still lost for nothing because of all the errors, errors that the Yankees made. That's how bad that season was. That was the season George Steinbrenner was suspended. I mean, what is he talking about? Don Mattingly made the playoffs one time in his entire career. Like there's a lot of bad seasons in there. Well, all right, the 80s, if there was a wild card in the 80s, I think the Yankees would have made the World the not the World Series, the um, playoffs maybe two times because there were a few times where they were right behind Toronto, but Toronto won, you know, 96 games compared to 92 games. So it wasn't like the Yankees of the 80s were horrible, but when it went from the 80s into the 90s, so 89 and they were right, 90, horrible, 92, no, 91, horrible, 92, getting better, 93, Paul O'Neill arrives, Things are rolling a bit because Steinbrenner was suspended. They were allowed to make better moves because he wasn't around. And that's when everything built up toward the dynasty. So just, I can't even believe that he actually said that. Is this team disappointing? Yes. People expected more out of this team. The season's still not over. You never know what's going to happen. They could turn things around. You never know. But to call it the worst team that you've seen in 50 years? Are you kidding? No, stop. Stop it. Yeah, it's 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 hyperbole just for the sake of hyperbole. For the sake uh, of whining on Twitter. I mean, all caps. He put like, I think it was like a thread of three or four tweets in all caps. I was like, dude, you're like 50. Could you calm down seriously? Well, and it's like, you know, suffering through like the 2014, 2015 season, not even 2014, like 2015-2016-ish when we were mediocre, but not bad. Well, uh, 20, it's, 2015 was the year that they made the wild card game, but lost to Houston. Oh, that's right. That's the year Dallas so, Keuchel mowed us down in the wild card game. So it was 2013, 2014, and then 2016. Those three teams were kind of, because 2016 was the sell-off where, you know, they had, right. they got rid of A-Rod, brought up Sanchez and um, Judge and Tyler Austin. Remember Tyler Austin? Yeah. And, yeah, those were the three years, 13, 14, 16. The 2010s were a very odd decade for the Yankees. Right. 
And it's like, but you know, even when, when they were mediocre for, for that, you know, three to four year stretch, it's like, you, you kind of got it. Like they were in an obvious transitional phase. Right. So, you, you know, younger, like this team being mediocre in terms of record is a lot more frustrating. I totally get it. They are clearly meant to be better. Yes. Every projection system that every baseball organization uses, you know, fan graphs, baseball perspectives, everything had the Yankees being significantly better than what they are currently set to, to be disappointment. Totally understandable is it's not a bad, it's, it's a great team. That's just not playing great. Huge difference. Right. Yep. That's why when I saw worst team in 50 years, I just, I think I did retweet him and I can't remember what I said, but I was like, you need to calm down. And even the people who, refer to 2013 and 2014 as horrible years uh they were over 500 2013 they were still kind of in the playoff hunt until at least the second week in september i mean it was a long shot but they were still kind of there you know it wasn't as if they finished those two seasons 20 games under 500 which is also kind of frustrating because when people talk about the Yankees doing a rebuild, they don't do an actual rebuild. They haven't done a real rebuild since those aforementioned years that I talked about in the early 90s. That's a true rebuild when your team is so bad that you're, you know, 25 games under 500. The Yankees have not been under 500 since I was in high school. Yeah, That's a I, long ass time ago. A lot, there's a lot of Yankees fans that don't root for the Jets because as a Jets fan, I, I, I have seen team. My team is currently rebuilding for the second time in four years. <laughs> the, the Yankees are not going to have to re, The Yankees will never need to have to rebuild. Right. So right. yeah, get that out. Jeremy. And I hate you guys so much for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hate the Steelers because fuck you guys. All right. <laughs> you, you, you've had it too good for too long. Corwin. <laughs> okay. Your I reign of terror that. must end. I yeah. deserve that. I always found the Yankee Jet fan combo confusing because for the most part, it's Yankees, Rangers, Knicks, Giants, Mets, Jets, Islanders. Because usually Mets, Jets, Islanders, all the Long Island people are that combo. And and now with Brooklyn, I guess all those people root for the, the Nets. But yeah. I always found the Yankees Jets combo so odd and it must be so weird being a yankee jets fan just because i mean the jets haven't won anything since five years before i was born that's a long time we're not good uh yeah my my dad grew up a jets fan because it was the first game that he had gone to Mm, and then the rest of my family is from the bronx so yeah it's just that's just meshed oh yeah well my dad was born in the bronx uh first generation his parents came over from greece but his uncle gus his namesake was a new york giants fan so my dad got to go to yankee stadium and the polo grounds when he was oh that's so cool and his uncle gus tried to convert him into a giants fan my dad's like uh no (laughs) like no way (laughs) and he stayed a yankee fan you know the whole time but my dad was you know yankees knicks rangers giants not that he didn't like the Mets. He, I remember watching Mets games with him when I was younger. If the Yankees weren't on, he'd watch the Mets. Or if the Yankees were on the West Coast and the Mets were here, he would watch the Mets. And then he'd you know, watch maybe the first inning of the Yankees game and then go to bed because he had to wake up early for work the next day. So it wasn't as if we hated the Mets or the Jets or the Islanders. It was just our rooting interest was the other way. 
Yeah, um, but- I don't actively root against any of the other New York teams because they don't play my team often. So I don't right. give a fuck outside of the Islanders because they're in the same division as the Rangers. So they mm-hmm. can go fuck themselves. But yeah, like it. I don't understand. I don't understand the whole. I feel like Mets fans are. It's almost like it's almost like a little little brother thing. It absolutely is a little brother thing. Okay. And yeah. It, it just drives me crazy sometimes because I feel like they they need to stop the subway series for like five years. Just give it a break. We don't need it anymore. It's not as fun as it was when it first started. When it first started and I first had my season tickets, it was awesome being at Subway Series games. It was really a lot of fun, except for you know, when you get home at two in the morning because it was an ESPN game on a Sunday night and you had to go to work the next morning. But it was exciting back then because it was new. It is so played out now. I feel like all the rivalry games that aren't natural, not natural rivals, but, you know, crosstown games. That's what I mean. So, you know, yeah, Cubs, geographical White Sox, rivals. Right. I feel like they need to give those a break for a few years because I'm just. Oh, they never that. they never will. Mm-hmm. They never will. No, I know. It's all money. It's too much coin. <laughs> I know. It'll never but, happen. Honestly, Padres Dodgers is probably the best one in baseball, but it also helps that they're in the division. Divisional maybe. rivals. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And well, that division, I feel like I feel like if the Padres make a move or two, mm-hmm. I feel like that division could be three, a three-headed race down the stretch. I feel like they all, if something happened to either or any of the teams, someone could sneak in and win. I don't feel like I don't know. I don't know if the, the Giants are really going to stick it out. I wouldn't be surprised if they did, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Dodgers kind of did something and then pulled ahead and won the division. Um, but I also wouldn't be surprised if the Padres picked it up and made it interesting for those two teams in the division. Cause I want chaos. I just, it, well, not yeah, for the Gordon and I talked but... about this the other day and we agreed that the division's going to probably come down to if the Giants can keep doing what they've been doing, mm-hmm. because if they can't, and the Dodgers and Padres can feast on them a little bit. Yeah. Um, and they drop in the standings. Then that race between those two teams gets immense. And the Giants likely would probably still make the playoffs since the wild card picture in the National League is not very interesting. No, it's really not. Um, oh my God, it's so bad. <laughs> it really uh, is. <laughs> but in the, but if the Giants stay good, then then I mean it, their division is theirs to lose. So I don't know. Yeah. We'll see if the if the Dodgers have like a, another Manny Machado style trade in them. Mm. Um, we, we will see. Uh, yeah. Tough to imagine they trade Cody Bellinger because he's been bad this season. No, I'm mm. just kidding. I, well, I feel... I Corbin, feel like- you rolled your eyes at that, but you seriously asked us if the Yankees would trade Aaron Judge while he's having a really good year. <laughs> this is a Yankees-focused podcast, my sir. For today only. Yeah. Also, Cody Bellinger Also, is every other perplexing. day we talk baseball. <laughs> well, I feel like the only division that's a sure thing right now, honestly... Is, well, two, the NL Central and the AL Central. I yeah. feel like the White Sox, unless something catastrophic happens, they're not relinquishing that lead because the AL Central is not great. And I feel like the Brewers, same thing. I don't feel like anyone in the uh, NL Central can catch up to them unless, again, something catastrophic happens. I think those are the two sure things. The rest of the divisions, oh, well, maybe the AL West too because Houston's annoying. Um, <laughs> but yeah. uh, I feel like maybe the A's and the Mariners can kind of go on a run a little bit, but, and make things slightly interesting, but I feel like Houston's going to. I cannot believe that at this point in the season, the Mariners are one game behind the Oakland athletics. Yeah. 
It is mind-blowing. The yeah. fact that the Mariners are buyers at this point in the season and actually in threat of contending <laughs> is wild. And it's also going to be rather interesting to see how the Brewers-Red situation shakes out since the Brewers and Reds have recently made acquisitions to their deficiencies. Like the Brewers just today trading for Eduardo Escobar to bulk up their hitting. Mm-hmm. And the Reds making a couple trades for like, you know, not no marquee pitching names, but pitchers, which has definitely been their issue so far this season with the bullpen. Amir yeah. Garrett having a bad year. So <laughs> that could, that, it, it, that division could end up being kind of interesting if the Reds were to do something interesting, but we'll yeah, see. And kind, yeah. And kind of make a run there. Yeah. I don't see. Imagine the Reds I mean, trade for Max Scherzer just out of nowhere. <laughs> just boom. We have Max Scherzer now. Well, I'm interested to see what the Cubs are going to do and who's going who they're going to be selling off because you know they're going to be selling someone right i know i'm just afraid i'm so afraid that the red Sox are going to get someone like i saw one of those fake accounts um that are always around during trade deadline season because why should we have feel joy um tweet out that the Red Sox had acquired Chris Bryant and I almost cried. I was like, no, <laughs> no, no. Oh. I, I saw one earlier that was talking about how they spotted AJ Rizzo's dad going around, you know, Wrigley Field, thanking all of like, oh, the employees yes. there. Yes, some girl tweeted that with no information about anything else. She just wanted to create chaos. on. It was Carlos Beltran's niece again. Yeah. That Anthony Rizzo's father was walking around Wrigley and thanking all the employees. And it's like, come on, stop doing that. Also, Who is in the stadium that the fans could see that Anthony Rizzo's dad would be thanking. Like, don't get me wrong. No shade to the like cafeteria workers and the concessions (laughs) workers, but like, he's not going up to the woman serving fried chicken being like, thank you for your service. My son really loves you. Like that's that, <laughs> what you did here meant so much to him. Like that's not how this goes. And how do you recognize Rizzo's dad from afar? I can't even recognize actual <laughs> baseball players without their helmets on. So how are you recognizing someone's father? Yeah. Just, just all kinds of large question marks and red flags. Oh, wait, speaking of that, this is a funny story. I'll tell it quickly. Back in 1990 or 91, we went to Disney World as a family, went to Typhoon Lagoon, the water park. My brother comes running from wherever the hell he was. And he says, dad, you have a paper and pen? My dad's like, why? He goes, Jack Clark is here. My dad goes, how the hell do you recognize Jack Clark at a water park? He's wearing a bathing suit. Like what? And my dad's like, okay, whatever. So my brother goes running back, gets the autograph. Then about an hour or two later, my brother and I are on the lazy river. We go under this bridge and this woman's waving at my brother. And I'm like, who the hell is that? He goes, oh, it's Jack Clark's wife. (laughs) That's the funniest thing ever. Because I was was 16 and my brother was 12. And I'm like, you're the only person on earth who would recognize Jack Clark in a water park while he's wearing a bathing suit, hanging out with his family. I'm like, I can't even recognize baseball players when they're in the dugout without their helmets on. What is the matter with you? The only time I met a pro ball player and remembered it because I apparently met David Cohen when I was a kid um, was when I was 19 working at a concession stand at a baseball academy nearby where Corin and I grew up and actually Jack Leiter, who just got signed by the Rangers uh, after he got after they drafted him was playing. So Al Leiter was there because um, they are relatively from where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And so I went out to say hi to Al Letter and there was a baseball stadium. So there was a bunch of baseballs around. I got him to sign a baseball for me. It was really cool. Um, said, thanks. Sorry for bothering you while you're watching your kid pitch and like went back to work. Um, 
And then the next day I was driving on this like very small access road from um, my gym to, to this baseball academy so I could go to work. And there was this is a small part where there's a one lane bridge and this car starts coming across the bridge when they had a yield sign. And I was very upset about this because I was 19 and knew everything and mm-hmm. was angry that people were wrong. And so I start driving, I honk my horn, the guy breaks, I, I drive over the bridge and I flip the guy off and it was Al Leiter. Oh no. <laughs> Literally the day after he had just signed a baseball for me. And he looked at me like, like, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing, you dick? And I was like, oh my God, no. Oh, so if so I ever funny. see Al, yeah, if I ever meet Al Leiter again, I'm, I'm, if, there, if this reaches him, I'm very sorry. Oh if my you ever God, meet that's, that's the funny. second Jack Leiter, please apologize on behalf of like, what you did to his dad and be like i'm sure he remembers me but can you apologize for this from 35 years ago also i can say i've seen jack letter pitch before most other people saw him pitch even though i saw him throw like three pitches in that game yeah i think it was like 11 it's weird as shit to see that him he got drafted i feel i feel i don't want to say old because i'm only 26 but i still feel something you should you should really hunt to get uh the second jack lighter's autograph on that baseball I'll get every lighter to sign the ball. You know, my brother has gotten to meet some cool people because he's an umpire now. Uh, Not major league, but he does softball. He does fast pitch. He does little league. He does all levels of little league. And he's met, you know, famous players who have become little league coaches for their kids' teams um, because he does a tournament up in Cooperstown. Oh. So he's up there a lot and he meets lots of people. And I think it's so cool. And, you know, my brother is like how my dad was. My dad... He didn't care about famous people. He just would go up and talk to anyone. And my brother's the same way. He's like, yeah, they're just people. I'm like, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Yeah, but um, like really cool people. <laughs> but they're people that are better than us. Right. Right. Because um, they have more money, of course. Yeah. Uh, another funny story. My dad. Oh my God. My dad liked playing pranks on his friends. He was a devil. My dad. I miss him dearly because he just was so funny. But the Super Bowl when the 49ers played the Bengals in Miami. So is that 89? They're down in Miami at the hotel. My dad sees Jesse Orozco at the hotel bar. My dad's about to meet his friend. My friend, his friend liked drinking a lot and he didn't remember lots of things when he was drinking. My dad convinces Jesse Orozco to pretend to have met his friend. You know, when he comes down here, say, hey, Jack, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Talk to him like you, you know him. And Jesse Orozco kept that up the entire weekend. Hey, man, how you doing? Blah, blah. Every time they saw him, at the hotel that entire Super Bowl weekend. And my dad's friend's like, I don't remember meeting Jesse Orozco. How do I not remember meeting Jesse? And my, I don't think my dad told him until after they got back to New York. He's like, by the way, dumbass. He's like, Jesse Orozco has no idea who you are. He's like, I set you up. <laughs> but Orozco kept up with it. He came to the hotel bar the next day. Hey, how you doing? You know, my dad's friend's like, oh my God, I don't remember meeting him at all. How drunk oh was God. I? Yeah, it's amazing. That's the best kind of joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Innocently devilish. Yeah, mm-hmm. no one, no one was harmed in the making of this prank. Mm-hmm. That's uh, yeah. That's that's how my dad was. He just <laughs> yeah. That's one of my favorite. And my dad was named Gus, of course, because he's Greek. Um, that was one of my favorite Gus stories, and it's one of my favorite to tell because he's just he was just so funny. Oh, that's awesome. All right, yeah. all right. So I'm going to loop us back around because. 
due to the Joey Gallo trade, this has gone on significantly longer than I thought of it, which is totally fine. But it's funny because I had planned on about 45 to an hour. And I think we've been recording for like an hour and a half just doing this. So, so to loop us back to some semblance of what we were talking about at the beginning, the Yankees made a big marquee trade. Joey Gallo not will, for Eric Hosmer. Not, it's not a marquee trade. That's a mistake. So <laughs> don't roll your eyes. You know, it's true. So, <laughs> So they got one of the big needs that they had, which was outfield because their outfield depth right now is shaky at best mm. um, and left-handed bats because they just, they just don't really have many. In your opinion, because I think there should be at least one more marquee trade since this is the Yankees and they oh, yeah. need it. Oh, yeah. Who should that next player be? Oh, well, my Stop dream it. scenario. I see you mouthing Eric Hosmer. Stop it. Sorry, Stacey. I wish they could get Max Scherzer, but I know that's not going to happen. I know. Because I would love to have him in the rotation with Garrett Cole. I think that would be so badass and it would just piss off so many people, but I don't think that's happening. Um, I'm trying to think of who else is available. Uh, Apparently the Padres had interest in Joey Gallo, but now they're prioritizing an addition of a starting pitcher. So they've spoken with the Twins about Berrios and the Nats about Scherzer. Imagine Scherzer going to the Padres. Now that would change the... NL West in a big way. The rotation would still be shaking, what a rotation would part. be. Yeah, well, yeah, but at least I mean, could you I imagine that rotation three years ago? Yeah, I wonder. I don't know if a pitcher can do this now because they don't allow them to stay in as long. But CC Sabathia, when he went to the Brewers, oh, the every three days for the second half of 08 and what? No one's going to do that again. I feel like it would be awesome if someone could get a pitcher to do that, but no one's going to get a pitcher to do that to help them into the playoffs. I mean, that was just, he should, he should get into the hall of fame just for that. <laughs> it was just unbelievable to see that. But as for the Yankees, I, I they definitely need an arm. I just don't know where the hell they're going to get it from. Yeah. That's the thing. It's not a great market this time around because like the, uh, soon to be guardians aren't going to make the playoffs, but their only guy that would be relatively interesting is Shane Bieber. And he is one very cheap two currently hurt and three definitely not going anywhere. Right. Um, is and then hurt? Zach Plesak is currently hurt as well. I believe. No, no he is not. He is healthy. Uh, but you know, he also has a four, three ERA um, four, eight whip. Uh, FIP, I mean, it's, it's not a great season for him. I'm not sure it'd be a splash. And then you look at Too who close. else is available. Like, there's, if Scherzer doesn't get traded, there is a real possibility that Tyler Anderson going to Seattle is the biggest pitcher that moves this off, this, uh, this trade. Lizardo. Well, he's, he's not a current major league starter, though. He easily could be. I know, but what I'm saying is, as I, like, like, we'll slide into the rotation and be immediate impact in this season. Right. Is not Jesus Lazardo, but it is yeah. Tyler Anderson because he's been a starter pitcher all season. And Fine, again, he weirdly might end up being the best one, unless the Twins do trade Jose Barrios. I guess that'd be it. But I don't know. I don't know if they will because I feel like I was talking about this yesterday with someone um, that the Twins. I know they're not great right now, but I feel like this might be a blip sort of a thing. And I feel like they could get better and they shouldn't trade someone like that away. I feel like it would be too short-sighted for them to do that. I feel like like they they need to kind of wait. 
they might be underperforming like the Yankees just at a significantly larger scale. Right. Like so they, moving on from Nelson Cruz makes sense because he's 42. Ex- but exactly. Like, yeah. like him and Josh Donaldson, bye, go. But not the younger guys. Definitely not Buxton and definitely not Barrios. I think they should keep those two. Yeah, like some people were surprised when they extended Byron Buxton. It's like, are you surprised they're trying to work on an extension with Byron Buxton? That makes all the sense in the world. Right. Um. Oh God, yeah, there's like no, – I'm not seeing any teams that are out of it that have a good – like this – and this is one of the things that, that fucking burns me – about when the Red Sox got Chris Sale, because like it's like, of course, there just happened to be a top five pitcher in baseball stuck on an awful team that had an awful farm system that you could offer like one to three good prospects for and get a top five pitcher in baseball. And that he wanted out of in the first place. Right. Right. And every time the Yankees have been in a situation to do that, it feels like it has not materialized in the way that it did for the Red Sox with Chris Sale. Like, did they miss out on Verlander? Yeah, but there was a money component with Verlander that there wasn't there with Chris Sale. Like, Chris Sale was such a layup. I'm still mad about it today. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry you guys have to suffer with Garrett Cole. (laughs) Mm. Oh, that's right. The the whole pirate thing. I forgot about that. And Jamison Tyone and all the things that once made Corbin happy. In Tyler life. Glass now. Oh, Tyler Glass now. I Andrew just McCutcheon. Was, uh, oh, you know, I loved when Kutch was on the Yankees and I was like, you know, I mean, I understood why he couldn't stay with the Yankees, but for that brief time that he was there, he was fun. I liked him. Oh, darkness, Same. my old friend. <laughs> Do, so the only starting pitcher, and I really don't know how likely this would be, because it seems like a long shot that might be interesting that I guess the Yankees could get. Cause I don't think the Cubs are going anywhere would maybe be Kyle Hendricks. Mm. I hesitate to say it because he's so cheap for the Cubs, but the Cubs have also shown that they don't give a fuck about that because they traded you Darvish and he also was not very expensive. So, but I mean, that would be a interesting get for him. Yeah, uh, Zach Davies, he's, he's on the Cubs. A, he's, he's expendable. Season. He's not having a bad one. He was killing it for the first half, first good chunk of the year. Is Kyle Hendricks the one that curses all the time? Because I would love to have that on the Yankees. No, he's like the mellow one. Oh, who was the one that was cursing during the All Star break? The All Star game. Who am I thinking of? Liam Hendricks? Is that his name? Yes. Yes. The Australian? Yeah. Liam yeah. Hendricks. Yeah. All right. I'm confused. Oh, okay. On the these white guys socks. Have, the, the, these guys Lance Lynn was the first one that jumped to mind because I could just see him cursing up a storm. <laughs> I Lance love him Lynn. so much. Don't get me started about Lance Lynn. And well, Lance Lynn, Sonny Gray, Nathan Avaldi, all these guys who leave the Yankees and pitch better. It drives me crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, Ugh. You know, it was funny too, because of the Sonny Gray thing, I was all for them trading him away. I was like, yeah, trade him, blah, blah, blah. Then I started realizing that the reason it wasn't just that it was New York and he was feeling pressure. They were trying to change him from what he was to pitching, throwing pitches that he didn't want to pitch. And I was so glad when they got rid of Larry Rothschild finally, because I feel like he was a big hindrance there. Mm-hmm. They were I trying to like, fix what wasn't broken. Exactly. And they bro- they nearly broke him by doing that. I know. Oh, God, it feels like every time the Yankees make a decision about what to do with a pitcher, it ends up being like even Michael Pineda is having a decent season. I can't believe he's still <laughs> pitching. You know, I, know I can't that's believe he's also still wild, pitching? but who? Uh, 
Ian Kennedy. I know. He's still out there. He's yeah. still doing his thing. And he's been rumored in trade uh, scenarios. I think the Dodgers maybe, but Ian Kennedy. I mean, he's the last man standing from that 2007 group of young guys. Oh, well, no. Tyler Clippard's still around. But, you know. He no, he's not. Is he really? Yeah, Tyler Clippard's somewhere. I believe he's still somewhere. Get out of town. Yeah, I think so. He's with the Diamondbacks. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. He has I only none of played. Us knew we were there. He was there. <laughs> he has only played in two games. He has only pitched two innings. Oh, all right. But he, I mean, he's still. He's I still mean, alive. Yeah, he's still alive. You know, he's not retired like Phil Hughes, who's opening cards on baseball cards on YouTube now. God, what a sweet gig that must be. I know. Anyway. So you think that the Yankees next move should be pitching oh yeah and i i mean it could be either starter or bullpen because i feel like if they bolster the bullpen it'll put some relief on the starters like you had said earlier tyone is picking things up i feel like he's finally getting a feel for pitching for the yankees and you know coming back from his second tommy john it takes a little while for that to happen and i feel like he's finally getting to the point where he's pitching the way he should be pitching my biggest issue was was him not lasting long enough throwing 90 pitches in five innings Mm -hmm. um looking good then kind of not looking good and giving up a few runs in an inning and then looking okay and i feel like he was really consistent for the first time against Boston of all people in Fenway. That was like the biggest start of his, uh, of this season for him so far. And he passed with flying colors. So I'm hoping that he builds upon that. Yeah. And with the fact that they still have, I think two open 40 man spots, I also wouldn't be surprised if they chased after relief pitching. Cause for one thing, I get the impression that the Yankees hate overpaying in trades, even though, <laughs> we can argue how much it actually means at the end of the day, as long as your team wins, but right. I get the feeling that they do not like to be gotten over in trades. Right. Yeah. Um, Cashman is very, yeah, yeah, that's true. And the fact that, you know, there just might not be a lot of guys to get, maybe they will go the bullpen route and send a couple of the guys that they have up, you know, back down to the, like Mike, Michael King, when he comes back from the 60 day IL might end up just going to the minors. If they can get somebody that's been, you know, up in the majors and can throw, very well out of the bullpen. I don't know exactly who that guy might be, but someone, I guess, John King like, if that's the type that they're targeting um, to help take pressure off the rotation since they can't add to it, but right, we'll see you in time. Uh, all right. Well, again, we've been going. So I guess it's now is as good as time as Annie to get out of here. Corwin, do you have any last questions for Stacy before we kind of wrap things up? What is it going to take for you to take Eric Hosmer? <laughs> <laughs> One heavily used Eric Hosmer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's, yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know if anyone would take him. <laughs> I really don't know. I definitely wouldn't, but I don't know if any team would want to take him. The Orioles should take him in exchange for covering his salary for all of the Padres farm system. <laughs> Do it. Honestly, they just should. to see him just to see it happen. And so I could have some semblance of victory in this. It can't be worse than Chris Davis. Oh man. So there's that. Which All right. One? You know, uh, the know bad one. one Go fuck one. yourself. <laughs> um, God. All right. I, w- I wish I could, cur- I wish I could curse on my podcast. I can't, I bleep myself sometimes if I, you know, let an F word escape. <laughs> I couldn't do like I was, I remember when CC was talking about making the transition to uh, broadcasting, 
when he was in his like last year and he was saying how he's got to start with his podcast because he, he can't stop himself from cursing. And I relate to that so much. I'm not sure how well I would do on like a live broadcast because, Oh my God, cursing is so much a part of my vernacular. What was he flipping out about about a month ago? He went off on the podcast and he was cursing every two seconds. Yeah. Right. I mean, he went, absolutely ape shit and it was the funniest thing i've ever heard in my life and i thought to myself oh god i wish i could do that on my show but i can't plus you know i'm femme and i'm you know people look at me and they wouldn't expect someone like me to be cursing my head off but if you follow me on twitter you know that i do <laughs> um <laughs> and i just i laughed my ass off and i can't remember what he was complaining was did you have to do with the Astros? Because that always fires them up. But I can't remember what it was. Oh, was it the Tony Larusa, your mean Mercedes thing? Ooh, maybe. Was it that? Maybe it was more than a month ago. I think maybe he was fired up about that. Because I think he was pissed that Tony Larusa was even hired as the White Sox manager to begin with. But he went off for like it was a minute and a half clip that they put up on Twitter as a preview of the podcast. I think he cursed like sixty-eight times. <laughs> And that's, that's not the fun even part like about the podcast. He's, he, yeah. he, he goes with those curse words. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I, that, yeah, I, I couldn't do a broadcast because I one think too slow and, and two also curse too much. That's a bad combination. <laughs> there All are right. so many reasons why I would not ever be allowed on live TV. They don't have cameras tall enough to accommodate your gigantic frame. <laughs> oh, Corwin. take us out! Just take <laughs> us out. Um. All right, Stacy. Where can people find you? Uh, where can people listen to you? Do podcasts? Uh, tell tell the people where to access you. Uh, Twitter, Stace Gotts. I'm on the IBWAA podcast once a week. I'm on the Chase Thomas podcast once a week. I do a feature called Sunday Night Baseball with him. We just started doing that within the last couple of weeks. You can find me on Locked on Yankees five days a week. And uh, spoiler, I'm getting a YouTube channel attached to Locked on Yankees, and that will be set up soon. So you can actually see me do my podcast if you want to, which is frightening for me and might be frightening for you. But yeah, that's where you can find me. Honestly, we only started doing on video uh, what Corwin like that was this it was this year yeah, six months like ago month, uh, not two time, months ago time just is a flat circle I have no idea <laughs> I think it was about six months ago when we started having more guests on which was one of our like New Year's podcast resolutions and it's a lot easier than you think it is because we were both very worried about it yeah. so you'll I, I promise it'll be okay <laughs> uh, I hope so. I, I, I think it will be. But thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having me. And I'm sorry if I yap too much. I, I and welcome back. Uh, thank you so much to Stacy for joining us. It was a ton of fun. Uh, awesome conversation. Loved having her on. Can't wait to uh, revisit the Yankee season after the fact, or if anything else wild and wacky happens between now and then, uh, get her back on the show to talk about it. Uh, Corwin, anything else before we wrap up and get out of here? Um, I don't think so. All right. I don't know. All right. No, I'm not, then, I'm yeah. not mad at anything. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I had like a thought, but I was like, nah, never mind. We've been going for a while, long enough as it is. We'll just save it for oh. later. 
I actually do have something. I put this on because I thought we were going to talk about the Starlin Marte trade, but we really didn't. We made mention of it, and that was enough. We'll it was it, it was a Yankees mm. podcast. What did you want? I don't know, man. Maybe if we, if if they truck and trade into the goddamn Yankees, we'd have more to say. But that, all right, that's enough. We've been going for. So, if uh, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Juice and Pod. If you want to follow Corwin on Twitter, you can do so at Corwin Hell. If you'd like to follow myself on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. Uh, if you want to send emails to the show, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. And until Monday, post-trade deadline society, y'all have a good one. Bye.